Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Wallace has said that he doesn't intend to fact check, um, that that he doesn't see that as his role. Does Vice President Biden believe that he then is the one that needs to jump in and fact check Donald Trump if he if and when he says something that is a lie? No, Joy, you know, tonight, again, Joe Biden is going to speak directly to the American people. It is not his job to fact check. It's his job to articulate his vision. He is not participating in a re-election campaign. He is arguing that he should stay in office and the election should be negated. He treated the debate that way with a monstrous, just cavalcade of increasingly wild and obscene lies, including lying about the president's, the vice president's dead son, um, in Iraq um, as a way of trying to score points on it while, um, while that part of the debate arrived. There, there's something beyond fact-checking that needs to happen here. This is the sort of thing that shouldn't happen. This sort of debate shouldn't happen in a democracy, um, not one in which we decide, in which we think that we choose between candidates based on them proposing competing sides of an argument. So I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if this is the last presidential debate between the president of the United States and the former vice president of the United States. But we shall see fairly soon. Uh, Joe Biden clearly showed up today. He went head to head with the president of the United States, uh, who was often put on the defensive, interrupting the vice president repeatedly. Uh, This will certainly be a relief to a lot, a lot of the Biden supporters who are going into this debate fairly nervous. Uh, The uh, former vice president clearly showed up. Jake. A lot to analyze and discuss. Wolf, that was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. That was the worst debate I have ever seen. In fact, it wasn't even a debate. It was a disgrace. Um, And it's primarily because of President Trump, uh, who spent the entire time interrupting, not abiding by the rules that he agreed to, lying, maliciously attacking the son of the vice president. When asked to uh, condemn white supremacists, uh, he brought up the name of a neo-fascist far-right group and said, stand back and stand by. Um, I will talk about who won the debate, who lost the debate, but I can tell you one thing for sure. The American people lost tonight because that was horrific. You just took the words out of my mouth. Um, You used some high-minded language. I'm just going to say it like it is. That was a shit show. And, you know, we're on cable. We can say that. Apologies for being um, maybe a little bit crude. But that is really the the phrase that I'm getting, you know, from people on both sides of the aisle on text. And it's the only phrase that I can think of to really describe it. And one final thought before we throw it to Anderson. At the end there, when Chris Wallace was pressing the president, Uh, ably on the idea of would he concede if he loses. Joe Biden said, yes, of course I will. The president wouldn't. And what occurred to me is the thought that the president does not think he's going to win this election and he wants to bring the rest of us down with him. We're all getting text messages from friends all over the country. Uh, A friend of mine uh, in Kansas City uh, watching 
her first debate with her sixth grade daughter. Daughter bursts into tears, has to run to bed because she was so appalled, mm -hmm. uh, the sixth grade girl, at what she saw from the president of the United States. We all want to get a dive into Wins the election and the Senate is Democrat or Republican, then it, he goes forward. If not, we should wait until February. All right. There aren't 100 million people with pre-existing conditions. As far as the say is concerned, the people already had their say. They, okay, Justice Ginsburg said very powerfully, very strongly, at some point, 10 years ago or so, she said a president and the Senate is elected for a period of time. But a president's elected for four years. We're not elected for and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is 4 o'clock in the morning on the 30th of September, Year of Our Lord 2020. And, you know, I decided just to hop on the mic because that was a shit show. For, for um, full disclosure, I did not watch it. All right. Um, I have found debates in my lifetime have been fodder for the left. All the questions are usually posed for the left. They never really challenge the Democrat. And last night, Chris Wallace, who is a liberal, pretty much hold to pat. Um, my favorite being, why won't you denounce the white supremacist out defending in the street shit? But he wouldn't ask about BLM. I mean, my Twitter feed when I woke up this morning was pretty fucking livid. Um... But I could not find a article that didn't sound like this. And granted, I, I put the worst of the worst sound bites. There, there's a reason for that because, you know, that's, that's what we're going to get because it's all liberal bullshit. Trump, Biden get nasty in first presidential debate. Uh, the first scheduled debate... Uh, gentlemen, I hate to raise my voice, but why shouldn't I be different than the two of you? Trump came out swinging in Biden Hill's zone and didn't fall into previous debate pitfalls where he cut his time short or stumbled to get out responses. The two men often talked over each other in a brawl that got on weldy at times. The president touted his record of White House, boosted the economy, and how he handled pandemic, proclaiming there's different administration, blah, blah, blah. But Biden said under Trump the country was weaker, sicker, poorer, and even more violent. And other developments... Uh Laura Inger, okay, never mind. Sean Hannity, Biden flustered, irritated, and cranky during first debate. President Trump steamrolled Biden. Um, <clears throat> Los Angeles police face. Okay, that's it. That was all they did on the thing. It really wasn't that great. Moderator Chris Wallace rebrands critical race theory as racial sensitivity training. Saw Sean Davis. Wallace just characterized Trump's ban on critical race theory, which claims all white people in America are racist by nature as racial sensitivity training. And when Trump responds that it's radical, Wallace says, what's radical about racial sensitivity training? It's a theme. Every, I mean, let's just be honest. Unless it's Sean Hannity or any of the pundits on Fox, the majority of people with a journalist title are fucking liberal. I mean, that's just the way it is. They may play kind of conservative on Fox, but they're still liberal. Chris Wallace is getting run over. Joe Scarborough tells Team Biden to pull Joe from the stage. It's Joe Scarborough. What is Chris doing? 
He has no control over this debate. He asks questions, lets Trump continue yelling. This is a disgrace. This is a colossal waste of American people's time, but they're not going to cut his mic so he can have an exchange of ideas that Biden should not attend any more debates. Hey, Team Biden, if this continues, you pull him off the stage and do not do any more debates. Chris Wallace is getting run over. I'd walk off the stage if I were Biden. Cut his mic. Why is Joe Biden allowed to interrupt real Donald Trump is not? Chris Wallace is now trying to prevent Trump from responding to Biden. Voters want to hear about the candidates' plans the jobs, not about Hunter Biden or Trump's family. There's a lesson here for both campaigns. It should be about voters, not about themselves. <clears throat> that was Frank Luntz. Um, Trump starts off by throwing a right hook out of the gate of the debate by quoting Obama. And real Donald Trump comes out guns a-blazing when he asks why is he nominated Barrett? Because elections have consequences. And we won. <laughs> it's why I don't like watching them. They're always liberal. They always benefit the Democrat. The Democrat is allowed to do whatever. And the Democrat always wins. I mean, that's just the way it is my entire life. And it's not because conservatives are bad debaters or they don't do a good job. It's because the whole system's rigged to elect Democratic presidents. It always has. Everybody in our media is a Democrat. Every newspaper always endorses the Democrat. It's just what we deal with in our country I, I say it's state-run media because it is. The state is the Democratic National Committee. And they get away with whatever the fuck they want. I mean, some of the jabs I heard in the first 20 minutes were just pathetic by Biden. And still saying that he killed everybody and he didn't do enough. When Not at one time did Chris Wallace say, well, wait a minute, your party didn't want him to do a travel ban or any of that stuff. It's because it's always set up for the Democrat. <laughs> I did see a Univision poll, 64% of people polled said Trump won, which I thought was interesting. That was in my Twitter feed. But if if debates weren't set up for the Democrat, then the first question out of the gate for Joe Biden would have been this. Nets cover up evidence Russia collusion hoax was Hillary approved plot. And it sounds a little something like this. It's breaking tonight uh, some pretty big allegations against Hillary Clinton and involving former President Obama. The director of national intelligence says that U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intel analysis, alleging that Clinton approved a plan to manufacture a scandal against then-candidate Trump in 2016 and that President Obama was aware of it. It was a letter from the director of national intelligence to the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. It also has that it can't be verified in that letter, but correspondent David Spont has all the details tonight. Good evening, David. Brett Martha, good evening to you. Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe declassified this Russian intelligence assessment on the eve of testimony by fired FBI Director James Comey. Now, Ratcliffe took over as DNI back in May. He's a former Republican congressman from Texas. And hours ago, he wrote a letter to Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham from the Senate summarizing allegations that former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton okayed a plan that would throw then-candidate Donald Trump into the 
middle of a scandal with Russia. Part of this says, quote, in late July 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intelligence analysis, alleging that U.S. presidential candidate Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign plan to stir up a scandal against U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians hacking of the Democratic National Committee. Then it goes on to say in the next sentence, the IC does not know the accuracy of this allegation or the extent to which the Russian intelligence analysis may reflect exaggeration or fabrication. It continues, according to his handwritten notes, former CIA agency director Brennan subsequently briefed President Obama and other senior national security officials on the intelligence, including the alleged approval by Hillary Clinton on July 26, 2016, of a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services. The letter, Brett and Martha, goes on to say that on September 7, 2016, intelligence officials forwarded a referral to FBI Director Comey about, quote, U.S. presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's approval of a plan concerning U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. elections as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private mail server. Senator Lindsey Graham says the new evidence goes to show, quote, there may have been a double standard by the FBI regarding allegations against the Clinton campaign in Russia. And whether these allegations are accurate is not the question. The question is, did the FBI investigate the allegations against Clinton like they did Trump? A spokesman with Hillary Clinton told Fox News in an email this afternoon, Lindsey Graham is peddling baseless bull expletive. That's the only fact here. Fox News contributor Dan Hoffman, who worked for the CIA in Moscow, questions the timing and substance of these allegations. There are a lot of questions about the sourcing of the reporting. Was it human intelligence or signals intelligence? Which agency obtained it? Um, there's a lot of uh, open questions there. And yes, the timing before the first debate makes one wonder about it. In a statement late today, DNI Ratcliffe said this is not Russian disinformation and he will be providing more information to Congress in the coming days. Meanwhile, former FBI Director James Comey will test about, testify about this tomorrow before the Senate Judiciary Committee, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Is anybody remotely surprised by that? That they cooked it up just to deflect off their own fuck up? Does anybody? Or maybe the first thing that Chris Wallace could have asked... Fox News has learned new details about debate negotiations with Biden and Trump campaign. Trump campaign wants Biden campaign to allow a third party to inspect the ears of the debaters for electronic devices or transmitters. The president has consented to this inspection, but Biden has not. And right off the bat last night, there's all sorts of tweets showing him that he was wired. He was getting fed information. If you remember, this was a huge thing during George W. Bush. They said he had a receiver and he was receiving information. The left lost their shit. But they're so hungry to win, they'll fucking cheat any way they can. Then the Biden campaign asked for 30-minute fucking breaks. That's real. They asked for it. So overall, the debate was a shit show. There was protesters there. The National Guard had to come out. It was just a fucking hot hot mess just a hot fucking mess and i was gonna play up front the uh sound bites i had but i'm just i'm just not i'll just cover the one story washington post endorses joe biden 
says his honor is more important than policy. They thought that was cute, but it, it's just more of the fucking same. It's just more of the same. Because why we're here, and, and this, of course, didn't make the debate last night. It, it'll never make the debate. Military suicides up as much as 20% in COVID area, or era, excuse me. Defense Department briefing indicate there's been roughly 20% jump in overall the numbers may vary by service. The active army thirty. The active army has a thirty percent spike. Um, the army guard is a ten percent. The navy went down, and the air force has doubled from what they had before. But nobody talked about that. That's not going to be a question on any debates because we really don't give a fuck about our soldiers. Why would we? I mean, oh well. Neither camp even talks about vets. We, they will stumble all over themselves for small little demographics, but they don't give a fuck about vets. So let's move into some other stuff. There'll be more on our next podcast. It'll be Tuesday next week. We'll do more on the debate because I'm sure there's more fallout that will come. Um, but there was an interview with Hugh Hewitt, and he interviewed Brian Seltzer. Supposed to be a media guy. Didn't go too well. So disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days, where there's such an obsession with the deep state and these uh, revelations about the Russia pro. The latest on the Robert Mueller Russia investigation. Mueller investigation. The Russian investigation. Trump's Russia ties. And Robert Mueller. The real Russia story. Russia probe. The ongoing Russia probe. Russia probe. The Russian investigation. But Mueller and the Russia probe. Russia synergies. They wonder if Russia has compromising information on the president. What is the source for the president's claim that they have found no collusion with Russia? He misspelled collusion. Every day we're trying to keep track of the drip, drip, drip of the Russia investigation. Drip, 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 Trump and Russia to see whether Trump was secretly working for Russia. Bring it back to Russia and Russia and Russia. 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 Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Special counsel Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Mueller investigation. Mueller report. Russia conspiracy. Do you believe that he's colluding with Russia? I wish I could just say no. He's definitely not. That's crazy. But to this point, we've got multiple investigations through Mr. Mueller, through congressional and Senate committees, and CNN itself has been so hot on Russia, 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 on the dossier. CNN's been obsessed with this dossier for over a year now, and now that we know the DNC and the Clinton campaign paid the same firm for said dossier, which is completely unverified, we can't get you excited. If you Parts look back at your verified. whole year... That is misinformation that you're spreading on my program, Hold on, a lot of it has not it. been verified. Much of the dossier... Hold on. You, you just it said the entire dossier is unverified. No, no, that I is said inaccurate. it has not been verified. It has not Mu- been verified. But the pieces import- of the Look, dossier have been verified. By the way, by and when the way, you say Brian, it's unverified, you actually mislead no. the American people. No, 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 Carter no. Don't Page start with actually that. confirmed another part of the dossier on Friday. That. Don't start with that. You know that entire dossier has not been verified, and yet the interest in Parts covering. Parts of it have not been verified. Parts Are you have been verified. Are you comfortable with that? By the way, we don't even care about the dossier here. Because let me, let me tell you something. Yeah. Great. Then let's look at all sides of the coin. Tell me this. Why, if 
President Obama, and apparently, according to Donna Brazil now, Attorney General Holder, National Security Advisor Susan Rice, they all... Yeah, first of all, before I, I cover what he said to Hugh Hewitt, because that was the sound bites that came out that. I apologize for the cracks. There's something about this setup that when I first start, it gets cracky, and then it just stops. And I don't know what it is. It's not the mic. I don't. I just don't know what it is, so bear with us. Peter J. Hassan, this is quite the exchange between Seltzer and Hugh Hewitt, where Seltzer appears to claim ignorance about the Steele dossier, which was is a major media story. I literally do not know because I'm a media reporter. And those sound bites, of course, show that he's full of fucking shit. Um, Gerald Byer, I just, just, I, I don't cover the dossier over air. Also, Brian Seltzer, lead story in tonight's Reliable Stories Digest, BuzzFeed News wins defamation suit over dossier publication. Same day. Seltzer, media reporters like myself don't report on media-created scandals like Russia collusion, which was sourced from the media-created steel dossier. Sorry, just not in my wheelhouse, Hugh. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we have Trump getting asked why won't he put down those great freedom fighters and all that shit, because that that's really, really, really important, right? Um, this tweet is still on Twitter, and I'll tell you the response. I ended up blocking like 30 uh, BLM activists because of it. Ture, Black Twitter. Which video was more satisfying to watch? Brad Parscale being forcefully tackled and arrested by police or that white woman being tasered and arrested at her kid's football game for refusing to wear a mask? People's responses. Want to see what actual racism looked like? Here you go. This is what human garbage tweets. Me... Love the Twitter-approved racism. Be real, dude. Say I jerk off to Whitey getting beaten. Can't log on Twitter without the Kill Whitey BLM violence and tableside restaurant service. It's social justice 2020 style. Approved KKK tactics. BLM can lynch Whitey. MSM will approve with an eye roll. His response, today white people are teaching me that the real victims are white people. Because that's how you deflect it when you're a critical race person. Because once again, critical race builds in, oh, by the way, black people can't be racist. (laughs) You know, well, I mean, if you're making the rules, you always default to, I am above the rules. I mean, that's just the way it is for gay, feminazis, you name it. I mean, this this is how they build the system. So here is Parcel getting tackled since, you know, Black people were jerking off to it. Yo. Okay, come out here. That's fine. All right, relax. What's going on? She fucking. The sin shit. Don't do it. I'm not doing anything. Relax. What happened? So, she started saying all this shit. Hey, get on the ground, man. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Get on the ground, man. Oh, Jesus. Get on the ground. I didn't do anything. 
I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Hey, we'll figure it all out, right? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. We're gonna get you off the guard in just a second, okay? You're alright. Relax. Hold on, hold on, just a second. Hold on. Hold on, 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 yeah, that's that's exciting stuff, I guess, because, you know, that's that's how black people can act. But, you know, we're going to ask the sitting president to put down people that are defending their businesses because that's, you know, that makes sense. Sure. All right. Then we got the tax story, which, you know, I'm just going to play seltzer up front with the other. Oh, my God. This is another smoking gun. The records also paint a picture of a president facing a mountain of debt. Over the next four years, the Times says, more than $300 million in loans that President Trump is personally responsible for will come due. It's a national security issue. You could potentially have a sitting president who owes hundreds of millions of dollars. The American people are going to want to know who he owes that money to and can he make it clear he could put country over business interests. The New York Times says it has documents showing President Trump paid only $750 in income tax his first year in office, that his businesses are losing money, and that he personally owes $421 million on loans made to his companies. Well, today, the Speaker of the House suggested those debts could be a threat to national security. The records also show Mr. Trump took in $73 million from foreign deals during his first two years in office and is now facing hundreds of millions of dollars in loans coming due. This president appears to have over $400 million in debt, 420, whatever it is, million dollars in debt. Susan, it just puts so much in stark relief. So much is now answered. I mean, not only is he not paying into the social fabric of the country, not only is he not contributing in any way to the pocketbook of the country that everybody else has to, I mean, in terms of everything from the defense budget to paying down the national debt that he's running up, it also explains the decisions that he's made with coronavirus. He has to downplay it so that his hotels still get public, you know, still work, that people still travel on airlines, that the economy still runs, that the stock market is still good. It explains the personal interest in lying about the coronavirus. So let me tell you you something. We now know why he wanted to hide the taxes, Don Lemon. But didn't we know? Okay, no. We now have proof of what we were saying about him and the taxes. We all knew. Everybody knows. Come on, Chris. You're from a New York family. You've been, you're a New Yorker. You've been here all your life. You already knew, didn't you? What does that mean? We all cheat on our taxes? No, but you, it, means, it means you've been around long enough to know uh, Donald Trump's M.O., to know about him, to know how he handles business, to know how he stiffs contractors, and, and so on, to know how uh, litigious he is, that he sues everyone and then waits for them to... You, we $421 all million. million. Yes. yes. And I, personally guaranteed loans means, one... Those guys and women, anybody who was a lender, didn't see enough value in your assets uh, of the company that they were lending against, that they wanted to catch as much of you as they could, which doesn't speak well of uh, what they valued your asset at, that yeah. they were, you know, the main loan was about. And you got to know 
Who does he? Some of it's in public, but some of it isn't. Who does he owe the money to? Yeah. And that's the question. Who does he owe the money to? Who is he beholden to? Who? How does that compromise him as the president of the United States? and our national security, and then us, Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Because it certainly compromises us. But I have to tell you, that's important, and we're going to talk about it. But as I talk to everyday folks, and you know I include uh, my mother as one of my unofficial folks. Kitchen cabinet. Kitchen cabinet. And she said she's so ticked off because she remembers. At this point, she's retired, so she's good. Um, She doesn't like having to pay all those taxes, but she pays them. She can afford to pay them now. But she said when we were coming along and she was a single mom and, you know, when my after my dad had died and she said she would have to pay her taxes in increments. And if she didn't pay it on time, she would get they would be higher. She would get charged for them. And the idea of someone who brags about how rich they are and how great a business person they are to pay no taxes or to pay $750 in taxes is the height of insulting to the American people, especially the working class people who you are supposed to represent. None of those working class people have the privilege that he has to pay no taxes or to pay $750 in taxes. Can you imagine if we, you or I could pay $750 in taxes? I'd be jumping up and down, running around the corner right now. You know what it's called? Systemic inequality. Happens on the basis of color, happens on the basis of class. And remember, there are all these men and women and families out there right now who are banking on Donald Trump to change the game. He knew the game. He'd expose the game. He's made it worse. He's took care of people like him in the COVID bill. He took care of people like him in his tax bill that he said was middle class. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Hey, Rob, let me ask you, uh, you're a guy who's had tax problems. You've, you've faced them. You've dealt with it. I'm just curious your take on, on uh, the news last night from the New York Times about the president and, and his tax situation. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I felt that when I saw it, I said, I'm going to see if the right wing says about him what they said about me. I had to deal with my tax problems, dealt with it, and, and moved on. He hid his. His brand is that he was a businessman that made all this money and that was a billionaire. That was not my brand or the brand of many of us on the left that have had these situations. So this undoes his brand. He ran telling America, I can manage the country like I manage my business. Well, look at how he managed his business. Years of losses, years of not paying taxes, years of of paying what? The first year he was president, a $750 check. So I just know that the right wing is going to castigate him like they castigated me and others who had tax problems. And his is way more in, in, in intense than than ours were. And we never promised anyone we were great financial managers. We were in the business of activism. He was in the business of business and seems like he did not. Obviously, this has the potential to change the race. How explosive is this? Americans are already voting in some states, and most Americans' minds are already made up. But, Anna, this is one of the most important stories of the past five years. Not one of the most important stories of this year, but one of the most important stories of the past five years. Because as a candidate, Donald Trump fought hard to shield his tax returns. And as president, he has fought even harder to shield his tax returns from public scrutiny. So this is the kind of information that we are going to be hearing about for days and weeks to come, and including on the debate stage in front of 60, 70, 80 million people 
on Tuesday night. No doubt Joe Biden will be studying this New York Times story and thinking about how to bring it up at the debate. But I think this goes even deeper than that. The New York Times uh, quoting here, Mr. Trump has been more successful playing a business mogul than being one in real life. This gets to the heart of the president's campaign five years ago, four years ago, that he was the star of The Apprentice who knew how to bail out America. Well, the New York Times story cuts to the heart of that. And by the way, the Times says this is only the beginning. They say other articles are in the works in the coming weeks. And there's an important context here from the New York Times saying uh, all of the information they've obtained was provided by sources with legal access to it. Uh, most of this has not been public before, but the Times was able to verify it in various ways. So the president might try to scream fake news, but the documents are in the hands of reporters uh, who are able to independently verify it. So basically somebody leaked to the New York Times this tax stuff. Uh, his business organization, including detailed information for his first two years in office, does not include his personal returns for 2018 or 19. His articles, office overview of Times finding all the information uh, the Times obtained was provided by sources with legal access to it, which most attacks that it was not previously been made public. Uh, Yashar Ali, Trump paid $750 in federal income taxes the year he won the presidency. In his first year in the White House, he paid another $750. He has paid no income tax to, at all in 10 of the previous 15 years, largely because he reported losing more money than he made. In fact, records show that in 2010, he claimed and received an income tax refund totaling $72.9 million, all the federal income tax he has paid from 2005 through 8, plus interest. The New York Times confirms Trump was telling the truth about being audited. He's being still audited. Maggie Haberman also hanging over him as a decade-long audit battle with the Internal Revenue Service, which they said was a bullshit um, statement on his part. You know, that's that's what they said the whole time. Uh, other article, New York Times drives a stake through the heart of his own Trump tax. Trump paid $750 of federal income taxes at 16 and 17, New York Times reports. Jake Tapper, Trump paid $750 in federal income tax a year. He won the presidency. He's paid none of that. If you paid more in federal income taxes than President Trump, raise your hand. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, Jennifer Cobb, uh, Ryan Mack. The New York Times tax story is really a breakthrough in reporting and and presentation. It's thorough and dense for those looking to parse details, but there's one punchline detail that folks will remember, $750. Um, All the people complaining about how Trump only played $750 in taxes should be ashamed of any refunds they took home. So I finally read the New York Times tax story because I wanted to see what line was being reported for taxes owed. And I came across this about $750 in 2016-17. Per the New York Times' own story, Trump actually paid to the U.S. Treasury $1 million in 2016 and $4.2 million in 2017. Read that closely. Trump paid, as in transfer to the U.S. Treasury, $1 million and $4.2 million. Note also the most of the overpayment was rolled forward, not refunded. The 750 figure is an additional 750. Thus, every single story saying it paid 750 is a fucking lie. It's in the story, but you heard all the reporters. No, no, no. And Nancy Pelosi, everybody freaking out. Here's the reality: I paid more than Barack Hussein Obama, and he was a millionaire. Tell me a rich person who doesn't know every fucking loophole. This is a bullshit story. 
Charlie Kirk, who leaked the tax returns to the New York Times. 26 U.S. Code 7213 makes it illegal to disclose unauthorized information, including tax returns. If true, there should be felony charges leveled. Brian Seltzer. Kirk might have missed in line the story. All the information time obtained was provided by sources with legal access to it. Did you read the tweet after you wrote it? Because if you did, the delete function should have been your next move. That's what Charlie Kirk sent back. <laughs> but this is the same New York Times that did an article. New York Times begs you to ignore damning Trump dossier. New York Times decides to sabotage Durham probe. New York Times did not cover on the front page the fact that Hillary Clinton made up Russia and Trump tied to Putin to cover over the top of her fucked up, jacked up, I'm a piece of shit and used a shitter server. Yeah, we didn't cover that in depth. Because we're the gray lady. We don't do that. Drew Holden has some apology candidates for those saying Trump was hiding illicit connection to Russia. Uh, Representative Brianna Titone, I don't think anyone expected to find massive fraud or ties to Russia. It proves he owes hundreds of millions of foreign banks, which is a liability and a national security risk. Uh, Drew Holden, the biggest news on New York Times bombshells on Trump taxes that he has flattened the conspiracy theory among Democrats that's been popular since 2016, that Trump was hiding his taxes because of illicit connection to Russia. He breaks down Elizabeth Warren, uh, The Hill, Kyle Griffin, Chris Murphy, had like 80 of them, Ron Wyden, Jake Tapper, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, it's everybody. It's a laundry list. This goes on for four pages, four internet pages. Because that's what they do. I mean, when you get down to the crux of it, and this is why I will be voting in, well, I guess the 14th we start here. No, the 4th. Next week, I'm going to go to my doctor and then I'm going to go vote. Every fucking thing our media is commiserated about and the Democrats have said, this is why he's a bad person, is a lie. Everything. Russia, a lie. was spooned up by Hillary. Fed to the press, the press ran with it because they fucking hated Trump. Taxes, lie. He killed all the fucking people with COVID, lie. Terrible economy. Lie. He's a racist. Lie. Nothing. They they just been lying for four fucking years. And here's a president that never had a shot to do anything. If you look at it objectively, even if you're progressive, you have to look at it objectively and literally go, what the fuck? What the fuck? I mean, even Martha Raddatz sort of admits it when she talks about the enthusiasm. Martha, you went on a 6,000-mile road trip across America to see what was on voters' minds. What did you find out? 
Well, I, I think a lot of people are talking about the economy more than anything else. I was very surprised, Whoopi, because COVID, when you cross the country, you wouldn't really know it's happening. I was really shocked at mm -hmm. how few people were wearing masks in certain areas. It's almost like, look, I'm tired of this, so I'm just going to get back doing what I wanted to do before. But the Trump, the hardcore Trump voters, some of the people you just saw me talking to there, uh, they basically mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. Trump walks on water. Nothing will change their mind. In fact, this morning, I called someone that I had talked to on the road trip about Donald Trump and the tax story. And he said, good for Donald Trump. As long as it wasn't illegal, I want the name of his accountant. So those people, that solid base wow. is not going anywhere. Oh I, I also oh, found there yeah. wasn't, a, wasn't a whole lot of enthusiasm for, for Joe Biden. There's a lot of enthusiasm among Democratic voters and some independents to get Donald Trump out, but not necessarily that enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking earlier today about the difference in those two debates. The 2012 debate with Joe Biden and Paul Ryan was so civil. They were both, dare I say, gentlemen. We talked about foreign policy. I don't think you're going to get a lot of that mm -hmm. tonight. And then at the very end of the, no. believe it or not, how quaint is this? At the end of the debate in 2012, I asked about uh, the tone of the debate and how negative it had been. <laughs> Seems quite quaint in 2012. Right. I don't remember now at all it being that negative. Right. I think that the enthusiasm on the left is to save America from a criminal in the White House. That, I think, is what is motivating mm -hmm. voters uh, for Joe Biden. A question about the miniseries. I mean, do you think that there is an explanation that is known to all of us yet for why all the lies about Russia? It's not known to us yet, no. No, it's not known to us yet. But if it were a Hollywood script, uh, they would kick it back because the bad guy's too obvious. I mean, look. Yeah, you know, that's certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's just a badly written bad guy. I mean, it's so transparent. I, and the fact that I, I believe it was the New York Times today wrote an article about Putin uh, extending, reaching out to maybe call a truce on the cyberspace thing with, you know, America, right. you know, though admitting. Nothing, right? Uh, that's that's Putin uh, getting into the lifeboat on the Titanic. Okay. Uh, they, yeah. The yeah. Uh, what are they talking about in Helsinki? What were you know all the stuff? I mean, there's there's all of that. The tax returns that he won't show us. It's so obvious. And where is he getting the money? Where did he get all the money? And and I mean, all roads, as as, as Speaker Pelosi said, all roads lead to Putin. And uh, you know, time's running out. This is a bad movie we're living through. That's what this is. If it weren't so life and death, it's a bad movie. I mean, I threw in the Jeff Daniels clip, which on any other podcast would be like the This is America, but it's just sheer hate. Their level of hate is beyond anything I've ever seen. It's just beyond anything I've ever seen. I've never seen, I, I know there were never, or people who hated Obama. And there were birthers, and there were truthers, because uh, we are intellectually honest here. Both sides has had the, we hate this motherfucker. But this is so beyond the pale. I mean, it's just so beyond. I, I, I have such a hard time literally trying to process how you could let somebody live in your head rent-free as much as the Dems have 
with Trump. And I think from my perspective, it comes down to they then have decided the whole system must go away. We must get rid of the Electoral College. We must pack the courts. And this vote-by-mail shit, which is our next A block, god damn, if this was a Republican, and this is on video, sweet Jesus, Project Veritas, again, is a news source, because they actually find shit that nobody's even looking for. Project Veritas has received an explosive piece of tape. The tape you're about to see shows a man buying a registration form for an absentee ballot from a voter, giving him, quote, pocket money, unquote, of $200 and expecting to collect his ballot when the voter receives it. But that's illegal, why? You don't care illegal. I have lies. One of them. How much are She is the one who came up with all this. So she did it. She yeah. started this whole thing with yeah. the, the pay to vote. Yeah. So the people that work for Ilhan are actually counting the ballots, counting the vote. And they become a manager in the prison too. They walk with you to the booth and then they vote, oh, vote this guy, vote this guy, vote this guy. Vote even if you speak English. The reason she's fighting for Palestine is because of this guy. So it's all about money and power, and, and, and they want her to ensure that we find Israel And over 250,000 Wow. That kind of crazy. Just handing it out. They got that much cash. Yeah. It out. This is a big business because look, this girl's going to propose how to end the money to Israel. Ali Gene and the, the owner of the mall and Ilhan's campaign, the cash was coming from this guy because the money was being paid in the mall. He's Palestinian. Yeah. He's financing this whole thing. The reason she's fighting for Palestinians is because of this. Mm. That's it. Yeah. He's pulling the strings. Yeah. So it's all about money and power. And, and, and they want her to ensure they find the Israel That's all this is about. That's what that's about. It's in Omar's district. And, and it's, you know, it's just not the only one. That's the big one. 
Uh, CNN Nathan McDermott, he, he's from CNN once again, just got my New York mail-in ballot today in the security envelope. I'm supposed to put it in a sign. has some other guy's name on it, address on it. Gothamist is already reporting other cases, so this looks like a widespread problem. Also, according to Gothamist, sign the envelope in another person's name and address. It invalidates your ballot. Axios. The Hill. Everybody covered it. Everybody. They're trying to cheat, and their way of cheating is to ballot harvest. But once again, they're so excited to do it, they're doing it illegally. They're paying people. Do you not believe for a second the left is always paying motherfuckers? To get out the vote to all the micro-fucking demos they need to win? That's the only way they can do it. Elizabeth Harrington, time for another threat on Democrat mail-in ballot scam. Mail-in ballots for Trump opened and discarded in PA. Trays of Epstein ballots found in a ditch in Wisconsin. Thousand double ballots sent to voters in Democrat areas of VA. 19 illegal aliens charged with voter fraud in North Carolina. More than 1,600 mail-in ballots found in random bin in New Jersey election. 1,000 people double voted in Georgia. 72% of Detroit's mail-in ballots counts were off. 846 dead people tried to vote in Michigan. Dead cat gets voter registration application in mail. Democrat charged voter fraud in Indiana. D.C. woman indicted for voter fraud and voting by mail in New Hampshire. These are just from the last eight weeks. Here you can read all the other examples of fraud with Democrat mail-in ballot schemes all summer long. And whoops, how could I forget this? Project Veritas. They're just cheating. That's what they're going to do. They went with it. Because they own the FBI. They own... CIA, they own everything. So how are you going to stop them when all they got to do is just cheat? Just keep cheating. Nobody's going to fucking care. The Texas one, Biden t- political di- Biden's Texas political director accused of illegal ba- ballot harvesting at Texas Supreme Court. That just happened this week. So our our election, once again, they are going to steal it. That's why he's not campaigning. He doesn't need to campaign. They already put in place a great plan to just steal an election and get away with it because the only people that are going to report it is Fox News and conservative media. And you have Brian Seltzer and the rest of the people on CNN who just sit there and say, oh, it's So now we go into censorship because that's the other part of their plan to win the election. Here's press sec. I wonder if you can just clean up or clarify something the president said yesterday. Um, If he loses this election, can you assure us that there will be a peaceful transfer of power? You are referring to the question asked by the Playboy reporter, right? 
I'm referring to you with the president being asked if, if there would be a peaceful transfer of power, and he did not uh, say yes. Yeah, so I believe I'm asking you, will there be a peaceful transfer of power if he loses this? I election? believe that question asked by the Playboy Power. In fact, I think I have it right here. Uh, he was asked. He was asked when, lose, or draw whether he would accept the transfer of power. I'm not entirely sure if he won. Why he would accept a transfer of power? That is um, maybe the deranged wish of that reporter, but that's not how. Uh, Governing very direct and very simple question. If the president loses this election, will this White House, will this president assure us that there will be a peaceful transfer of power? It's a very simple question. The, the president, since, uh, the president will accept the results of a free and fair election. Uh, but I think that your question is more fitting to be asked of Democrats who have already been on the record saying they won't accept the results of an election. Um, in fact, I have several of them here for you. South Carolina Democrat uh, Jim Clyburn has said uh, that Trump is not going to win fairly. Senator Barbara Boxer has said that the only way Trump will win is to steal it. That's according to Democrat Senator Barbara Boxer. Uh, the Washington Post has noted um, they have a headline, Democrats may not trust the results of the election if Trump wins. And then you have uh, that beautiful quote from Hillary Clinton that Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstance. So I think your fitting is more, question, more uh, fitting, a fitting question for Democrats. Yes. Kelly, uh, Kelly, just understand this clearly. Are the results legitimate only if the president wins? The president will accept the results of a free and fair election. He will accept the will of the American people. So for clarity, if he loses and it's free and fair, he will accept it. I've answered your question. He will accept the results of a free and fair election. The more we dig, they never accepted the 2016, did they? But they keep asking it. So when you go with the we're voter scamming and we're voter harvesting, uh, the tax lie, um, the fucking debate bullshit. New York Times editorial board essentially calls for the silencing of Trump and his supporters on election night. Nick Short, New York Times editorial board essentially calling for the censorship of Trump and his allies, a.k.a. supporters on social media on election night on it. Imagine it's midnight and the electoral map looks quite red, but news networks and election officials aren't calling for swing states as this year's record number of mail-in ballots have yet to be fully counted, the Time wrote in an editorial published Sunday. Mr. Trump, leading in the popular vote, decided it's been enough. He takes to his social media platform, declares that he has won re-election and will accept no other result. He tells his tens of millions of followers that Democrats of the press will try to change results and steal the election. The door to unrest and constitutional crisis swings wide open. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube have all pledged to crack down on misinformation around voting and electoral outcomes. Perhaps in the above scenario, they spend they append a label to the president's post saying that the information is disputed and that the results are not in. They could introduce friction into the algorithms to slow and reach of the post. But pro-Tump lawmakers and pundits most likely would have picked up the argument by then, amplifying the president's messages. What started out as one prominent piece of voter disinformation easily could become widespread. Kevin Harper, the latest mention in their message in their editorials that they know Trump has a massive number of voters. They implicitly say he'll win, but they that they will be able to gum up the works until they can steal more votes. Project Veritas. <laughs> 
They've been telegraphing this for months now. Hopefully the right has a strategy and people in place to spot irregularities in swing states. I'm so worried about this. The question is, how can social media crack down on fake news regarding election results before the election results are even known? Liberals love censorship. Prevent the truth. Allow the lies to replace it. That's what they do. The Hill. Everybody carried it. The New York Times editorial board presses for a plan if Trump tweets he won the election. They're so fucking scared because as Martha Raddus said they do not have a fucking candidate that anybody wants to vote for again their vice president was so bad she didn't even make it to the votes but yeah when you have a plan to steal an election and the media is a major part of that plan Of course you're scared on election night that you won't be able to flex those votes to the districts you need. Remember, last time they were sitting begging that somehow Detroit made a bunch of black people. Until somebody said, yeah, they're like 98% in. They have problems because... They've acted like jackasses. And I think the more and more, there's a Latinx guy. I said it, sorry, it slipped out. The X, because now they're saying we're going to say that. Latino, Hispanic, I don't know what ethnicity it was. He was on Tucker, and he said the biggest failure the Republicans are doing right now is they're fucking pandering. And not just sticking to their message. Because their message is in the 60% with Hispanics. Law and order, not letting all the illegals become legal. All of that is why his Hispanic vote is up. And I'll tell you, with less, well, what we got? Basically 34 days, 33 days. You're not hearing an arc pole, orc pole, blacks, Hispanics, women. You're not hearing it this year. There's a reason you're not hearing it. Because the numbers aren't good enough. That's why. We always get those polls. Minorities are voting for the Democrat. That is what we get. But we're not getting it. And what does that tell you? They went anti-cop. It hurt them. Because the people that get hurt the worst are blacks and Latinos when you don't have police. Yes, a majority of blacks do not like cops. But simultaneously, they also don't like the motherfuckers that kick their door in and steal all their shit. So... That's our A block. Not a lot on the debate, I know. I just, I said it ahead of time. The Right now, the debates are anarchic bullshit. If the left wants to get rid of debates, just do it. Because it's all horse shit. And all it ever says is, the Democrat won, the Republicans a piece of shit, and the media sit and try to twist whatever the fuck. They, even the one where Obama got the floor mopped with him with Romney. What do they say? He was more presidential. 
Yeah. Okay. Going to go over to narrative uh, for our listening assignment because I don't have any music today. We're going to listen to Poppy Harlow flip the fuck out on some White House official because this is the norm nowadays. And Ted Cruz trigger Joe Behar uh, for bringing up <laughs> Cuomo's killing grandma. Enjoy. What, where are the taxes on Hunter's three and a half million from I Russia? Where are the taxes on his billion dollars from China? Should not the president's paid tens of millions of dollars. In the taxes. president's spokesman about someone who is not germane to this conversation, who is not running for president. Have Brian, you ever asked them? Have viewers, you ever done a segment service. on them? Brian, please do our viewers the service of You're answering my answer questions question. about the man you were... Because I asked the question. It's another version of it from four years ago on it's the not. eve of a debate coordinated with the yeah. Democrats as a political Let's, hit. Okay, that's... Brian, I'm just going to stop you there. These okay. are remarkable reporters from the New York Times who went through 20 years of documents. It is not okay for you to accuse them with no facts of coordinating with the Democratic Party. Poppy, they, Please they stop had doing that or this running. interview will they end. Had Brian, stop attacking the press. I have not seen you do that largely before. Stop doing that. I'm asking you direct questions. You could put the entire thing to bed if the president would release the records and show the American people what he says is true. Why will he Poppy. not do that? So the press can attack him, but he can't defend himself. That is just not a fair position. The, a sort of a buried lead here was that there was supposed to be Russia ties. There were no Russia ties. Yeah, uh, well, that's not a but, buried lead. I thought it was important that the New York Times pointed out that there was nothing new in terms of financial, uh, financial deals with Russia. This weekend, Brian, we saw Wisconsin and Utah post daily records for COVID cases. Half of... The U.S. is now reporting an increase in COVID cases, and yet this weekend the president chose to hold a rose garden ceremony with almost no masks. Why did he do that? So he's willing to gamble with people at the rose garden ceremony getting COVID because we're better prepared as a country to take care of them. And it's not just the rose garden, Brian. Seriously, he's held three. I get that, but people were close and there were not masks and you can still get COVID outdoors and you know. Republican Florida Governor DeSantis, for example, recently lifted all coronavirus restrictions on businesses, allowing bars and restaurants to open at full capacity without a mask mandate. He said they won't be closing anything going forward. Now, what's your response to Governor DeSantis's um, policy, one? And would you do the same thing in Texas if you could? So... Yes, we should reopen. And I actually think if you look at Florida, if you look at Texas, uh, the death rates have been much, much lower there um, than, for example, states like New York, New Jersey, states with Democratic governors where the death rates have been enormously through the roof. New York in particular has led led the country in death rate. and, And I think it had a lot to do with the Democratic governor there. Uh, Governor Cuomo sending people who had That's COVID into nursing homes. Uh, well, the death rate is, well, is say, three times as high as the death rate please. in Texas or Florida. I, I'm sorry. I'm talking about I'm talking about Florida right now, not New York. New York got hit very early, and a lot of people were coming in without any kind of sanctions. But, but, but on the it. government so policy was different, and the policy Republican made a difference. Governor. 
the government well, policy was different the and the policy made a okay, difference. Fine. The policy of the governors of New York and New Jersey of sending people who were COVID positive Deflection. in the nursing homes was catastrophic. And, 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 and it resulted in a horrific de death rate. No, no, I'm saying we should actually you listen to science and protect people and keep them safe. Um, let, me, let me jump in here. It's a, it's a slight I'd, pivot here. I'd like to jump in. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Whoopi. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, just, I, I just wanted to say, I want, do want to point out that had the man who is running the country right now given us this information in January when he had it, when we right. could have maybe done something a little differently, it might have worked differently. I just wanted to point that out. It's not about who's... You know, whose people died more. People died and they didn't have to. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. When the media becomes part of one party, no longer have news, we have Uh, the Supreme Court now, uh, uh, multiple sources tell CNN that President Trump is choosing Amy Coney Barrett to replace Justice Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. What kind of an impact do you think a, a six to three conservative majority will have for people of color in this country? An abysmal, <laughs> an abysmal set of circumstances, uh, particularly as it relates to health care, uh, perhaps women's rights, uh, so, so many areas where uh, the court uh, could weigh in. I mean, the president told us that he wants a court because he wants the court to decide whether or not he wins or loses the election. And this is a dangerous pathway, uh, not the fact of, of putting a conservative on the court, but the court being all conservative. The court should be, in my judgment, or hopefully it would be a balanced scenario. And it's very unfortunate that when the Republicans came into power, at one point they said, well, you know, if an injustice gets nominated at the end of the session at this particular time, we should not do that. It should be the next president. But yet they've all changed their minds. So it's clear that they're well, when I think about it, Don, I think, think I mean, that you know, some of some might say that even the country itself was founded upon hypocrisy. People came from Europe who were oppressed and they felt bad. Some of them may have been criminals. Then they started a system to oppress others which is really sad, as opposed to a system 
that empowers everyone. That there is a lot at stake should Amy Coney Barrett be nominated and confirmed on the other side of this. But one of the things that is at stake, Amani, is the sanctity of our elections and the timeliness, the timeline under which this is happening begs some serious questions. It, it really does. And I have to say that I, I've grown frustrated with the reaction by Senate Democrats to this nomination. You know, we just heard Chuck Schumer say that he strongly, strongly, strongly opposes this nomination and that he hopes that as her record becomes more clear to the American people, that the American people are somehow going to pressure their Republican senators to do something else. But I'm not sure what that something else would be, because we've already seen that Republicans aren't particularly beholden to the viewpoints of the American people. I think that they are very excited about the fact that they're able to fill this sort of legacy seat on the Supreme Court with a woman who stands for almost exactly the opposite of everything that Ruth Bader Ginsburg stood for. And so the idea that we're going to go forward with this nomination while people are in the process of potentially choosing a different president, that doesn't sit well with me, and it shouldn't sit well with Senate Democrats. And so the question becomes, what more can they do besides appeal to the American people? You know, I don't I'm curious to think the reaction uh, from the American public if the court does lurch to the right as it could if she is appointed, the majority of Americans, just to take one issue, the majority of Americans support having legalized abortions. They support some caveats with it, but they support it being in existence. I mean, can you give us some historical perspective of what happens when a court is out of touch with the majority feeling of the American public? It depends on who's on the court. If they're rigid ideologues, they will not care. 1930s, Franklin Roosevelt passed the New Deal, all these programs to help the American people who were suffering from the Great Depression. And the Supreme Court started striking a lot of these programs down as unconstitutional. So in 1937, Franklin Roosevelt said, the only way I can fix this and bring the court a little bit more in tune with America, which basically love the New Deal, by and large, is to do what was derisively called court packing, adding up to five new members of the Supreme Court that Roosevelt could appoint. Roosevelt was so frustrated, he tried to take that to the Senate, but the Senate found that proposal too radical, didn't let him do it. Are the times different now, this idea that Democrats might want to add some justices if they were to win back the Senate and the White House? Oh, I think the times are not different. I think it's almost inevitable that we will see that happen. Not necessarily that the program will succeed, but almost certainly that if you have a Supreme Court that seems much more conservative than the American people are and the uh, the uh, essentially arrangement of politics in this country, you'll see a big movement for Democrats to do Supreme Court reform. I just want to, I know you have said that you think this can be done before Election Day. The question I have for you is, should it be done before Election Day? Polling's pretty overwhelming on this issue. The, a large majority of the American public do not believe the, this president should pick this, this president before the election should make this pick. It should be whoever wins the election. That is not an unreasonable thing for the American public to think, is it not? Do you regret uh, 
with the, the hypocritical argument you guys made four years ago, creating this, uh, this sort of standard out of thin air, and then backtracking on it four years later. Are you concerned that the party looks like a bunch of hypocrites four weeks before the election on this issue? In 2016, you had said this, the Senate has no excuse to ignore blockade or stonewall consideration of this nominee. The Senate must do its job to provide advice and consent and swiftly schedule hearings, debate, and an up or down vote. Here's the question I have. Which precedent should be? Which, which, which should be the precedent? The ones that the Republicans invented in 16 or the ones they're inventing now? Well, I, I guess you asked the same question I asked. We're going to recognize the rank hypocrisy of pushing forward in this sham illegitimate process of a nominee with these devastatingly catastrophic views. So, Senator, you've you used the word illegitimate now twice. Uh, what are the Republicans doing that is illegal or illegitimate? Uh, because the Constitution says the president has to nominate Supreme Court justices, the Senate has to advise and consent and confirm. So what is illegal about what the president and the Republicans are doing? You say it's illegitimate. It is illegitimate. Wolf, because never before after July in an election year has any justice been confirmed. It's illegitimate because the vote on this nominee will occur literally at the end of October, a handful of days before an election where Americans are already voting. And it's illegitimate because the next president and the next Senate should be the ones to make this decision, because that's the only way to give Americans a choice in the process. It's illegitimate where does it because... Say, Sen Senator, where does it say that's illegitimate in the U.S. Constitution or in the law? Where does it say that what they're doing, the Republicans, is illegal? Illegal, it may be not under the Constitution, under the norms and traditions and unwritten rules of the Senate, it is illegitimate. One of the unwritten rules is that people keep their word. The Republicans promised that there would be, in fact, no such nomination or confirmation during an election year. They're breaking their word. They are potentially breaking the Senate. And they are violating the trust of the American people. The majority of the American people want this decision to be made after the inaugural. The majority of the American people want health care to be preserved. And this nominee has expressed a willingness to disregard well-settled, established precedent when it doesn't align with her views. This nominee has said that Just Chief Justice Roberts was wrong to uphold the Affordable Care Act. Plainly, this nominee is out of step, out of the mainstream, not only with the majority of American people, but with legal thinking generally. So what I hear you saying, Senator Blumenthal, it may be inappropriate, it may be wrong, especially so close to an election, uh, but uh, you agree that there's nothing illegal or totally illegitimate as to what they're doing. It may not violate the letter of the Constitution. It violates the spirit of the Constitution, which is to give the American people a say in this kind of hugely consequential decision. Yeah, the SCOTUS thing's still hot and fucking heavy. I want to rehash because this one's pretty good. Feminist crank run and hides after tweet on ACB weaponizing her whiteness. 
Uh, let's see. This whole press conference is a display of Amy Coney Barrett's weaponizing her white womanhood to grab whatever power managed to slip through the cracks in the Trump administration's unrelenting misogyny. Grimaldi writes for an uber-feminist rewire news group which defines their mission as empowering you to own your relationship to sex, abortion, parenthood, and power. Which, by the way, uh, that Latinx guy said on Tucker Carlson last night, which was really, really good, um, how can you be Planned Parenthood when you aren't planning for parenthood, thus you have to have done abortion? I thought it was classic. He, he's so right. Um, it, it is a misnomer of a name. Um, the woman has empowered with some anger. Trump and Barrett using her black children and child down to score political points. is surprising, but it's no less appalling. She even complained about CNN being too pro-Trump. CNN keeps going on and on about Barrett's family. If it makes her qualified to serve as the Supreme Court... And are whopping three years as a Trump-appointed judge. And it, she has been just crucified. After this online fiasco, Grimaldi decided to hide, putting her tweets on protected status, which was a mission of mercy for people who just can't handle this much talent. The accusation of misogyny can be rebutted with accusations of mis- misopedia, a hatred of children. The critics were savage. Guy Faux began, a woman being elevated to the highest echelon of judiciary being evidence of a runaway misogyny is one hell of a take. Two quoter added, you missed the chance for the liberal trifecta by not mentioning she's also personally responsible for killing the planet by having such a large family. I'm disappointed in you. Weird to go might have summarized some of the effect. I did not vote for Trump in 2016, but I have been pushed over the edge by the attitudes of you people. I will be voting for Trump in 2020, and if he wins, remember that you are partly to blame for a second term. (laughs) There's been a lot of that lately. You know, you can't really translate that into votes, but so many people saying conservatives who voted against, voted for him belatedly are now motivated to vote for him and conservatives who were never Trumpers are now voting for him. And my liberal friends are voting for him because the Democrats are too extreme. Whether it's true or not, I guess we'll find out in 33 days. Sarah Rao, if Amy Coney Barrett was black or indigenous or Asian or Latina, that would be her defining characteristic, but she's white. So it's not Amanda Sherbu. What does this fucking mean? And another person, she's being defined by her religion. I had another 10 different takes on The Handmaid's Tale. I'm just not doing it anymore. Trying to keep the podcast softer. But understand, they have not let go of that. They truly believe. Washington posted an article now. What people of power really means. I mean, these fucking people. If you did that for a Muslim Think about it. I mean, when you just bring up that that racist fucking Islamist Mrs. Omar is extreme. 
you are punched in the neck hole. You know that, right? It's it's kind of scary. Amanda Turkle. So far, Democrats are keeping the SCOTUS fight squarely on health care and not taking the GOP bait to go after a religion, lifestyle, etc. Democrats are developing a clear advantage in the political fight over President Donald Trump's nomination to Amy ACB. With public polling showing opposition to the Senate rushing her confirmation, the focus of the fight shifting to friendlier political terrain and Republicans openly wishing the Democrats misstep. There's a little Democrats can do to stop Barrett's nomination from moving forward if Republicans remain unified behind her. But Barrett's views against the constitutionality of Affordable Care Act and abortion rights could harm both Trump's re-election and Republican chances of holding the Senate. Big Ed. Except for the many who went after her for her adopted minority children, most of those were shamed into deleting their tweets and locking their accounts. Then there are the others going for their spiritual beliefs. Let me know when you what rock you're under so I can kick it and you can join all of us in the real world. But that's how they do it. When Democrats do something foul, they just cover it up with an article, usually an op-ed that's carried as news, that Democrats are the adults in the room. Then this one, this is not a reporter. PBS Yamichi Alcinder describes how a lot of women are looking at Amy Coney Barrett. Andrea Mitchell starts us off. Yamichi, there are a lot of women looking at Judge Barrett. She's a threat to my reproductive rights, a threat to women's rights. You see it in that regard. She could be hurting President Trump, and he could then have even more problems with women. There are a lot of women looking at, I'm looking at. I love this thing that Yamichi does where she uses lots of people women are saying to state her personal opinion. Why do journalists do this? They project like we don't know what's happening. Give me a break. This is not a reporter. She's not. While they're covering that, they're not covering, once again, breaking Democrats to introduce bill limiting U.S. Supreme Court justice terms to just 18 years. Reuters. When they can't have their way, they want to change the system. Chad Pergam, question is posed to McConnell as to whether Barrett confirmed if she would recuse herself from any election-related cases. McConnell doesn't respond, and the press pool's kicked out of the room. Apex predator. predator. Vanessa Gregorius, I guess one of the things I don't understand about ACB is how potential Supreme Court justice can also be loving present mom to seven kids. Is this like Kardashians stuffing nannies in the closet and pretending they've drawn their own baths? Natasha Stoyoff. Is it possible some GOP senators will vote against confirming her because they feel she's not qualified? George Conway. No, not a chance. She's eminently qualified to serve the Supreme Court. That's George Conway. That's pretty amazing because he's an anti-Trumper. Hollywood asks us to think of the children as they slime pro-life Barrett. Yeah, this, 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 they have no intellectual honesty. The idea of Trump getting a third pick of Supreme Court justice terrifies the left. Radical Hollywood liberals know that another conservative justice poses a threat to their precious Roe v. Wade, socialized health care, open borders, and solidifies many of the American freedoms that these sycophants hate. Needless to say, Trump's latest nomination sent them in a furor. 
To sum it up, HBO talk show host John Oliver claimed that the nomination of Catholic pro-life conservative um, ACB means things are hopeless. And you know that means things are probably going to be better for the rest of us. Trump announced Barrett's nomination on Saturday, and then they lost their fucking shit. Jeffrey Wright, disgraceful. If anyone in your life were as two-faced, callous, dishonest, and selfish as this, you never want to associate with them. Vote them out, and then pack the courts. Chrissy Teigen, the wildest thing about this Barrett nomination is we're so caught up in our conservativeness that we forget Trump doesn't even himself believe this shit. He is not a religious man, a family man, nothing. It's a lie. That's got so out of hand, he's got to roll with just to say he's a dick. What? Ben Miller, do you think they tried very hard to get Donald to read anything about Amy Conner Barrett? Or did they just say, we found a lady, Mike Pence, during a commercial break on OWN? Yeah. <clears throat> Share became even more unhinged than Oliver, asserting that sick children will suffer due to Barrett's presence on the bench. She tweeted, Trump appoints female neocon judge who pledges behind the scene to kill ACA and pre-existing conditions during a pandemic and Roe v. Wade. Two, to go. Sick children will suffer because medicine's too expensive. These are the people that want all babies killed. These are the people that tell us we shouldn't be procreating because of climate change. But yeah, think of the children. So that's our ACB. It'll keep going until she's nominated. But I'm going to keep covering it because, once again, she's a female. If, if you did this for one of their females, you're a bastard. Here's some pre-debate Biden. American public, the blinders have been taken off. They've all of a sudden seen a hell of a lot clearer. They're seeing, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. Run. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Oh, hell. Now, the narrative has been across the board, even from liberals, that Biden's been a shut-in. But Politico says... He hasn't. Well, the 1st, 8th, 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 19th, 22nd, 24th, 25th, 5th, and 6th. Biden called a lid at 9 o'clock in the morning. So the article goes, Politico sounds very worried while simultaneously trying to protect, project not very convincingly. There's no real need to concern on the fact that for the first 26 days of September, Joe Biden has taken 11 days off. It's almost as if they're trying to convince themselves of this as much as they are readers in Friday Worrying Bead article by Christopher Collado and Mark Caputo. When Biden calls a lid, Democrats wet the bed and Trump starts marking. Biden early turn-ins provoked the Twitter set, professionally nervous Democrats, okay bedwetters, and notably Donald Trump to scratch their head on rain-down ridicule. The person pointed to his penchant for gas and rambling stories as part of a strategy to keep Biden bottled up. Biden is hardly a shut-in. He calls a lid at 9.03 Wednesday, 10.23 Monday, and 10.09 p.m. last Friday. These are all p.m.s. It's now the narrative. 
Brian Seltzer. He's serious when he does this. New York Post. After another day of Biden, help us find Biden. Where's Joe? Brian Seltzer. Preparing for debate, obviously. Sarah Italy. Are you working full-time for the Biden campaign now? Statement from campaign spokesperson. Another lapdog speech. This is the third one in the last five days. They're all on it because that's what they do. Now, remember, this is the guy who spends all his time saying this. Will Chris Wallace be empowered to fact-check the candidates in real time? We, When we choose moderators, we make very clear to them that there's a vast difference between being a moderator in a debate and being a, a reporter who is interviewing someone. We don't expect Chris or our other moderators to be fact-checkers. The minute the TV is off, there are going to be plenty of fact-checkers in every newspaper and every television station in the world. That's not the role, the main role of our moderators. I, I think what a lot of liberals would say to that is, is what you just said broken in an age when one of the candidates, President Trump, lies every day. How do you explain to them that it's, it's okay to do the, the same old way it's always been in an environment that's entirely different? So doesn't Chris Wallace need to have the ability to call BS when he hears it? Some of the topics have raised eyebrows. We'll put the topics on screen. These are picked solely by Chris Wallace, right? So the integrity of the election, the Supreme Court, of course, an obvious topic. And at the bottom there, race and violence in our cities. Some people saw that and said, that sounds very Trumpy. There's this issue about fact-checking, Molly, uh, and there's this issue about Chris Wallace as well. I think Chris Wallace is an exemplary journalist, but he works for a news outlet that is more propaganda at this point than it is news. So do you view someone like Chris as having a Fox taint or is he affected in some way by working at Fox? Does it matter that a Fox moderator has the first debate or does it not matter at all? Yeah, yeah, it, that's that's right. The rest of the networks are just stalwarts of objectivism. The nightmare gets worse. Buck Sexton sees Joe Biden telegraphing plans for America. If I'm elected, I won't wait to take action on COVID-19. Minutes after race is called, I'll call Dr. Faulkey and ask him to stay on. During my transition, I'll bring together experts and leaders from both parties to chart a path forward. We will overcome this together. Biden is going to extend the lockdowns deep into 2021, folks. The left loves his COVID power grab. They want to use the presidency to dictate where you can go, what business you can open, what freedom you can have and wear a mask. If he wins, the nightmare gets worse. The nightmare for me is the fact of what happened last night. And I save this specifically for narrative. There was a reason Chris Wallace asked about the Proud Boys, but didn't ask about BLM. Here's just a taste of the question and the reaction by the media. You have repeatedly well, criticized. I have to answer his statement. No, I, you have his repeatedly. Statement. Wait, you have repeat, no, you've been talking back and forth. Statement. I'm asking you. I would love to end it. I would love to end it. You know, if you want to switch seats, we, we could very quickly. We can do that. But I'm, send no, in I'm, the National I'm, Guard. It would be over. There'd be no problem. OK, but they but, don't want to accept the National Guard. You have repeatedly we, criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left wing extremist groups. But are you willing tonight? to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not 
add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and would right you like me to white supremacists and right proud boys. Proud boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing problem. White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. That's what his FBI. His FBI director said. Well, then you know what? No, no, we're done. We're done, sir. We're moving on to the next. We're moving on to the next. That's not an idea. Everybody in your administration tells you the truth is a bad idea. Can I tell you what? You have no idea. Antifa, Antifa is a dangerous radical All right, radical gentlemen, group. we're now moving on to the Trump and, and Biden records. They'll overthrow you. When a president... Buy it. Uh, I want to say a couple things. First of all, um, uh, Jake said that this was a circus. Uh, circus workers actually reached out to my team. They say, actually, we take offense. Uh, we, are, we are careful and respectful people, uh, and we <laughs> yeah. work very car- carefully together. So either circus workers are taking offense. This was, this was worse than a circus, uh, number one. Number two, only three things happened for me tonight. Number one, Donald Trump refused to condemn white supremacy. Number two, the president of the United States refused to condemn white supremacy. Number three, the commander in chief refused to condemn white supremacy on the global stage in front of my children, in front of everybody's families, and he was given the opportunity multiple times to condemn white supremacy. And he gave a wink and a nod to a racist, Nazi, murderous organization that is now celebrating online, that is now saying, we have a go-ahead. Look at what, they're ta- this, look at what the Proud Boys are doing right now online because the President of the United States refused to condemn white supremacy. That's the only thing that happened tonight. That's what happened tonight. The only thing that I would say in response to you, Van, is what about this surprises you? This is exactly what he's done throughout. He's been asked these questions before. The only difference is he was asked about it at a presidential debate. This is how he's led. And Their sole purpose was to label him once again as a racist because they're in trouble with blacks and Latinos. But that you didn't ask about BLM and Antifa, most of us scoff. And the fear I have is when Biden becomes president, that's standard fare. You will be eating BLM critical race theory in the grocery store. He will support it 100%. And... Know this narrative. I mean, this this comes from Lanny Davis. Dear Red States. Ah, sorry, my computer froze. We're leaving. We decide we're leaving. We intend to form our own country. We're taking the other blue states with us. That includes Hawaii, Oregon, California, New Mexico, Washington, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, and the Northeast. This split will be beneficial to the nation, especially people in the new country 
including Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, and Washington, D.C. We get the vast majority of the major shipping ports. Good luck with getting goods in and out of the country affordably. We also get Costco, Starbucks, and Boeing. You get Texas and Oklahoma and all the slave states. We get stem cell research in the best beaches. We get the Statue of Liberty. You get Branson, Missouri. We get Intel, Apple, Microsoft. You get WorldCom. We get 85% of America's venture capital and entrepreneurs. You get Mississippi. We get two-thirds of tax revenues. You get to make the red states pay their fair share since your aggregate divorce rate is 22% lower than Christian coalition. We get a bunch of happier intact families. Please be aware that California will be pro-choice, anti-war. We're going to want all our citizens back from Iraq at once. If you need people to fight, ask your evangelicals. They have kids are apparently willing to send to their deaths for no purpose, and they don't care if you don't show pictures of the children caskets coming home. With the Blue States Unified, we'll have a firm control of 80% of the country's fresh water, more than 90% of the pineapple and lettuce, 92% of the nation's fresh fruit, 95% of America's quality wines. You can serve French wines at your state dinner. 90% of all cheese, 90% of the high-tech industries, most of the U.S. low sulfur coal. All living redwood, sequoia, and condors. All the ivy and seven sister schools, Brown, Columbia, blah, 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 blah. Plus all the California schools. With the red states, on the other hand, you'll have cope with 88% of all those Americans and their projected health care costs. 90%, 92% of all U.S. mosquitoes. Nearly 100% of the tornadoes. 90% of the hurricanes. 99% of all Southern Baptists. Virtually 100% of all televangelicals. Rush Limbaugh, Alex Jones, Rand Paul. We get Hollywood and Yosemite. 62% of you believe life is sacred unless you're discussing the death penalty or gun laws. 44% say evolution is only a theory. 53% that Saddam was involved in 9-11. And 61% of you crazy bastards believe you're people with higher morals. Then we lefties, see the part about divorce. Oh, and you can have all the COVID-19 cases since you're too dumb and self-centered to wear masks. Peace out. We are people of the blue states. And then somebody shows the election county, and basically the entire country was red. That's what they think. That's these people. And if he wins, that's what we get. The media will be further emboldened. USA Today fact check the Babylon Bee. I'm serious. Fact check. Satirical claims that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned Ginsburg's death. That's Gannett. That's every major paper in every city of the country carried that article. The Babylon Bee. They're already starting. If Biden wins, the Hill. Dem sweep would bring the biggest boost to the economy ever. What they're basing that on? I don't know. You're going to continue the lockdown. So how was that? How? How? And then you have this from the New Yorker, which is surprising. It's Young Kipper, but I'm breaking the rules for this. Devastating, heartbreaking piece about school closing from Alka McGillis. Read every word for Rewergen. A day of atonement will be nearly enough. While we dutifully stayed home to flatten the curve, children like Shamar were invisible. 
The irresponsible and anti-scientific reporting about South Korea's COVID-19 data by New York Times is a real scandal, and Alan McGinley describes powerfully in this New Yorker essay because it scared teachers and parents into forcing kids out of school. The story. Previously, debate about reopening consisted of people offering examples of success and failure a handful of countries, advocate cities, France, Australia, and Sweden, among others. Opponents cited Israel, where they hastily reopened the school along with a broader ending of lockdowns had led to resurgence of cases, but South Korean findings seem to be based on a much larger set of data. Some researchers immediately found problems with the study's conclusion, pointing out the samples of children who had become sick were exceedingly small. Also noted, Alazar Munro, a clinical research fellow in the Pediatrics Infectious Disease of University Hospital Southampton in the United Kingdom, it was not clear whether older children had passed the virus to adults or had got it at the same time and down shown symptoms earlier. That study had methodology flaws, and several, as pointed out, Alan, the Harvard public health professor, said, but the headline took off Zinip Shafark, a sociologist who had become an influential voice on the pandemic response, tweeted, I personally know parents who changed their whole next year because of this article. The takeaway people get with 10-year-olds can transmit to adults. And basically, the story is the students left behind by remote learning. The desire to protect children may put their long-term well-being at stake. And it's a horror story of what this kid's life is. But yeah. Yeah, we need to lock down. But there's still hope out there. Here's Scarborough. So when I hear from Ron Fournier uh, that in Michigan, in Detroit, uh, the Trump people are all over the place knocking on doors and Biden people are nowhere. They're just calling. When I hear the same thing in the state of Florida, and I actually have seen it in my own neighborhood, uh, literature uh, at every single door uh, across communities, all across Florida, uh, all across other swing states. But the Biden people aren't even coming out because of of the pandemic. Uh, I'm wondering, does that cause you concern? There have been multiple articles on this that Biden's ground game is not the Obama ground game and that the Trump ground game is pretty fucking good. So we'll see. So we're going to go on to violence. And once again, I know this seems cliff noted, but I'm trying to just bring down the podcast three hours is too fucking long and 330 which has been my average is way too long these are sound bites about the debate that i got from mediate who was crowing so i want you just to think while you're listening to it could you imagine romney calling obama a clown or telling him to shut up because once again, we're about to go back in if Biden wins to the office of the President of the United States. And we must respect that office. We must respect the office. And it seems like that has just fallen by the wayside for these last four years. It is common fair for them to call him everything, including crackhead. Yeah, that was an article. He's a crackhead. Um, yeah, good stuff. So this will take us into violence. Enjoy. If hearing that this debate is over was music to your ears, you may not be alone. Uh, what could have been a low point in American political discourse 
certainly in any modern uh, debate we've seen, just took place over an hour and a half. If you showed up looking for a food fight, you got uh, a brawl between these two men, a language that uh, we have rarely heard from candidates uh, in, a, in a political debate, um, a name-calling that, that went to a new level. Uh, frankly, Savannah Guthrie, I'm, I'm a bit at of loss for words here. Your jaw just dropped. You can't pretend that this was a normal debate, a normal example of American democracy at, at work, a normal you know, tussle between foes. This was different. This was a, a, an all-out grudge match. It was undignified at many times. It was cringeworthy at many times. I think we need right. to just pause for a moment and say, that was crazy. What was that? It was a train wreck. Um, but it was a train wreck of the making of one person. I mean, we know who did it. President Trump did this. Uh, and in some ways, it's the only way he knows what to do. He bulldozed over the moderator, bulldozed over Chris Wallace, bulldozed um, and at times flustered. Joe Biden, but I don't know if anybody wouldn't have been flustered um, by the president's behavior and the president's performance. Um, it, it, it is. It was a pure train wreck. But this was such a hot mess. You can, you can fault Joe Biden, perhaps, for letting the president get him rattled. Well, it is hard to know where to start. I'm not sure how people are going to feel about that. That was the worst presidential debate I have ever seen uh, in my life. A lot more heat than light over some 98 minutes. The debate was a, a total mess. Uh, it was a, a mess of interruptions, petty insults. Donald Trump came across like a bully. There was an avalanche of, of untruth statements that came out. Uh, Joe Biden did not have a particularly steady performance. George, this was just remarkable. I mean, when you take a step back and you think about the fact that in a normal debate, every if you were to call your opponent a clown, racist, the worst president ever, to tell him to shut up or to shush, Normally, that would be considered crossing a line. But here tonight, that was part of a concerted strategy by Joe Biden to try and show that he could keep his cool, actually. It's part of an effort by Joe Biden to show that he can be the adult in the room, that he can be the leader who can guide this country out of these really turbulent times. And so over and over again, he simply refused to give credence to the president's attacks. And you have to wonder if tonight did anything to further that argument or put people at home. And that's what we always think about here as we do the news or the folks at home, did it put anyone at peace about the future of our country in the immediate months and years to come? And Joe Biden had to come in and we said, no unforced errors, don't get pulled into the personal attacks. I do think he was uh, fairly steady in temperament and tone, um, but I do wonder if people will be frustrated at home, no matter how difficult it was on that stage and in those moments, that they didn't hear enough. And thus the first presidential debate of 2020 concludes a night of chaos mm. and interruption. Uh, where bullying. the bullying, uh, where the uh, vice, former vice president of the United States said of the president, you are the worst president America has ever had. Biden appeared to become prepared for the night. Trump seemed perturbed. And so Trump's strategy tonight was to interrupt, to try and steamroll not only his opponent, but also the moderator who was unable to keep control of the two candidates. You know, we have the president of the United States engaging in some of the language. And it wasn't that it was swearing or cursing. It was just I'm looking for the decorum and decency that you expect at this particular level. And it was very hard to get it tonight. And it was not an equal uh, opportunity experience. The president of the United States, who has a duty and stewardship role in caring for those three things, was by far 
responsible for a greater share of the jaggedness of tonight at a time when America does not need jagged. Mm -hmm. America is experiencing jagged. Mm -hmm. And they are looking to these two gentlemen to take the country over in the, in the midst of this period of jaggedness. And the president came, it seemed, with just a sawtooth. No, I don't think it, it served the voters um, in the sense that it was, you know, the, the president was constantly interrupting. Um, and then it got into this bicker fest. Part of the job of the president is to explain complicated things that are happening and why Americans should follow them and why there is hope for the, the future. Points out that you would like to add a public option to Obamacare, and yes. the argument that he makes, and other Republicans make, is that that is going to end private insurance. It is and not. Will, if I'm I sorry. ask you the question, it will not end. Not what your party says, by the way. It will end private insurance and create a government takeover of health care. It does not. It's only that. for those people who are so poor they qualify for Medicaid. They can get that free in most states, except governors who want to deny people who are poor Medicaid. Anyone who qualifies for Medicare would, excuse me, Medicaid would automatically be enrolled in the public option. The vast majority of the American people would still not be in that option. Number one. Joe, you agreed with Bernie number, Sanders, who's far did, left, on the manifesto, when, when we you, call it. Manifest, that gives you socialized medicine. Look, hey, Are I'm, you I'm not going to listen to him. The fact of the matter is, I beat Bernie Sanders. Not by I'm, much. I, I beat him a whole hell of a lot. I'm, here, I'm here standing facing Pocahontas you all, Pocahontas would have left well, two days early. You, you would have lost every primary all he knows how to on do Super is Tuesday. You got look, very lucky. here's the deal. I got very lucky. I'm going to get very lucky tonight as well. And tonight I'm going With to make what? sure because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just agree. want to make you're sure. You're I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, not first in your I, class. I, <laughs> I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd you know, surprised. you, you picked the ahead, wrong Jim. guy, oh, the wrong oh, night oh. at the wrong time. Listen, you agreed with Here's Bernie Sanders for the manifesto. The whole idea, let, let him, there is no manifesto, number Please one. Please let him speak, Mr. President. Number two. You just lost the left. Number two. I, I, you just lost the left. You agreed with Bernie Sanders on a plan. How, uh, folks, absolutely folks, agreed do you have any idea what this clown is doing? Do you have any do? Socialized medicine. Mr. President. I'll tell you what. He is not for any help for people needing health care because his Bernie? because he, in fact, already has cost 10 million people their health care that they had from their employers because of his recession. Number one. Number oh, two, oh, yeah, yeah. there are 20 million people getting health care through Obamacare now that he wants to take it away. He won't ever look you in the eye and say that's what he wants to do. Take it away. No, I want to give Number him better health care at a much lower price but, because Obamacare is no He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how to do that. Fixed it. He has never I've offered a plan. Fixed it to an extent. He has Obamacare, never done a single thing. As you might thing. know, but probably don't. Gentlemen, you realize if you're good, both Joe. speaking at the it's same no time, and it's too expensive. Let, let, let the president go ahead, sir. Obamacare is no good. We made it better, and I had a choice to make very early on. We took away the individual mandate. We guarantee pre-existing conditions, but took away the individual mandate. Listen, this is the way it is. <laughs> and that destroyed that. They shouldn't even call it Obamacare. Then I had a choice to make. Do I let my people run it really well or badly? Yeah. If I run it badly, they'll probably blame him, but they'll blame me. But more importantly, I want to help people. OK, I said, you got to run that, it so well. That's what and I just for. had a meeting with them. They said the problem is no matter how well you run Obamacare, 
it's a disaster. It's too expensive. Okay. Premiums are too it. high, that and it doesn't work. So we we do want to get rid of it. Chris, we want to get rid of it. I understand it, sir, but I have to I have to give you roughly equal time. Please let the vice president talk. He has no plan for health care. Of course he we do. Sends, Please. He sends out wishful thinking. He has executive orders that have no power. He hasn't lowered drug costs for anybody. He's been promising a health care plan since he got elected. He has none, like almost everything else he talks about. He does not have a plan. He doesn't have a plan. And the fact is, this man doesn't know what he's talking about. All right. he's I, have one, I have one final question for you, sure. uh, Mr. Vice President. If Senate Republicans, we were talking originally about the Supreme Court here, if Senate Republicans go ahead and confirm Justice Barrett, uh, there has been talk about ending the filibuster or even packing the court, adding to the nine justices there. You call this a distraction by the president, but in fact, it wasn't brought up by the president. It was brought up by some of your Democratic colleagues in, well, the, saying, in the Congress. So my question to you is, you have refused in the past to talk about it. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court? Whatever position I take in that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Let, vote now. You pack Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're senators. I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you that because question? the you question is, the question is, the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, on, man. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so right. Gentlemen, is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's going to pack the court. We have end, we're no, not no. going to give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. That was really a pr- productive segment, wasn't it? <laughs> Keep yapping, man. The people understand, Joe. <laughs> they sure 47 do. years, you've yep. done nothing. They understand. Oh. All right. But I have to speak personally here as somebody who's watched presidential debates for 40 years, as somebody who's moderated presidential debates, as someone who's prepared candidates for presidential debates, as someone who's covered presidential debates, that was the worst presidential debate I have ever seen uh, in my life. A lot more heat than light over some 98 minutes. I want to go to the room right now. John Carl, uh, you were there in the room. You cover the president. Your thoughts? George, the debate was a, a total mess. Uh, it was a, a mess of interruptions, petty insults. I was in touch with some people on the floor uh, who described, who told me they were stunned by what they were seeing transpire on that stage. Uh, Donald Trump came across like a bully. There was an avalanche of, of untruth statements that came out. Uh, Joe Biden did not have a particularly steady performance. I could say, really honestly, it looked as if both men lost this debate. And in that sense, the real loser is Donald Trump, because as we said at the start, Donald Trump was the one that needed to change the dynamic of this race. He is the one that is losing. He is the one that needed to change the trajectory. He is the one that needed a big win. And that did not happen tonight. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. While the media calls it peaceful, we call it the violent left. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. 
People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies are still. Show me where it says that protest is supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, he kicks. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized, right to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and thought Mexicans rape us emerged. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Yeah. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. The country is white men, most of them radicalized, right to the right. All punches are not equal morally. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. But I want to ask you this. There were 32 bullets fired in response to one bullet. 32 bullets by three officers. Where is the proportionality in that, and why do we keep having to ask this same question over and over and over again? There is a problem. It's disproportionate. 32 bullets. And in this case, and I, I'm really interested in your, you know, your law and order criminal justice uh, opinion on this, Breonna Taylor is, is considered almost like a bystander. The fact that she was killed was not taken into account. And I, 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 I want to understand your <coughs> logic and how you would rationalize that kind of decision. Well, again, we're talking about whether or not criminal charges are appropriate. I agree that 32 shots are an awful lot. If I were the chief there, I would be taking a very hard look to see whether or not that number of rounds being fired was, was necessary. I've also been in situations, I worked narcotics in Chicago for many years. I've served hundreds of search warrants, literally hundreds of search warrants. It's a very dangerous uh, thing to ex execute uh, search warrants. You never know what's on the other side of that door. Um, and so it's just a tough situation. There's no way of knowing whether she was struck by the first bullet, the last bullet. Uh, yeah, there's just no way of knowing. But certainly that's something that needs to be looked into. I had concerns when I heard uh, the number of shots fired. Um, and it's not as if uh, the individual was returning fire in response to the police uh, firing. But does that constitute a crime? Is there anything in the law that, uh, that you know, takes that into account? I'm not a lawyer. I'm certainly not from Kentucky. I don't know. I don't know what was presented to the grand jury. Uh, but I do know that once the officers were fired upon, they had they had every right to return fire. The question is, was it proportional? And that's a hard question to answer. Well, it's not hard. It's not hard. I mean, I think everybody knows that 32 bullets in response to one is um, is 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 well, we can't even we can't even understand it. I mean, here's what W. Kamal Bell. Let me just let me if, just read this to you, and you can you can continue. Um, w. Kamal Bell, who has a program on CNN called United Shades of America and does many other um, things in the public domain, has tweeted, Brett Hankinson is indicted for shooting into the apartment next to Breonna Taylor and not for killing her. 
He's fired for shooting into Breonna Taylor's apartment and not for killing her. This is systemic racism. Property is worth more than a black woman. Now, you can, you can talk about the law in Kentucky, but the bottom line is, where is the justice, I guess? A whole community is looking for justice after not just one killing, but decades of it. No, hundreds of well, years of it. With crap like that on our tax-funded network, are you surprised we have violence? Here's a story that came out this week. New York Post. Police mayor reportedly calls protesters punks and disparaging email. These Antifa and BLM people, especially the ones who just jumped on the bandwagon yesterday because they became woke, insert eye roll, do not deserve a second glance or thought from us. Our little pinky toenails have more character, morals, and ethics than these punks have in their entire body. She's relieved of duty for it. Relieved of duty. Simultaneously, in Louisville, woman charged attempted murder after plowing through crowd of Trump supporters with a car. Officials believe the driver is an activist linked to an anti-police group. This was not, once again, national news. But we asked Trump, we, we asked Trump, hey, what the fuck? Why won't you disparage Proud Boys? I mean, why aren't you, President Trump? The Proud Boys are terrible people. BLM are just beautiful fucking beacons of fucking fucking greatness. Yeah. Did any of this make the news? Any of it? Did you even know about it? I mean, I live near Kentucky, and I didn't hear any of this. Right there, right there. Who ran him over? Oh my God, oh my God. 
Correct on that. I was totally incorrect, and I apologize. It's California. Somehow I had slotted it and labeled it uh, Louisville. A woman was arrested and charged with attempted murder for deriving. Deriving. They put D E R. Hmm. 
driving her car through a crowd of President Trump supporters on Saturday. There was dueling protests in Yorba Linda, California, on Saturday afternoon between Black Lives Matter supporter and pro-Trump crowd. There was also reportedly a demonstration by Caravan for Justice, a Black Lives Matter-inspired social justice group that is dedicated to the next level of progression and our fight for equality and justice and calls for the boycotting of businesses, foundations that support police department. The Orange County Sheriff Department believes the driver that rammed demonstrators a member of the Caravan for Justice event. Authorities identify the driver as Tatiana Turner, 40, of Long Beach. Federal records show that Turner filed a trademark application for Caravan for Justice in July. The Daily Mail reported. The Daily Mail is the only news agency that's actually reporting the violence on the left. Our media is making up violence on the right with its just right-wing agitators. And they never air this. Turner was named as a beneficiary for a GoFundMe campaign fundraising for Caravan for Justice. At around 3 p.m., a white car drove into a crowd of Trump supporters who were gathered in a parking lot of the Yorba Linda Public Library. Shocking video shows a vehicle smashing through the people who were waving American flags and wearing Trump paraphernalia. After the car accelerated in the crowd, knocking several people to the ground, a man punches and breaks the car window of the car as Turner drives away. The crowd chased up the car to plying through the rally. After gaining the attention of law enforcement, police pulled over Turner a short distance away. Uh, border photog. Someone ran their car through a crowd of Trump supporters. Ambulances were dispatched, but I don't have information on the injury. Uh, Ian Miles Chong. A car rips through a crowd of Trump supporters at a BLM counter-protest in Yorba Linda. It was clearly deliberate, and the driver did not stop, even as the Trump crowd gathered to tend to the wounded. Trump supporters did not attack the driver. The man suffered two broken legs. The woman had major injuries, Sergeant Dennis Becker of Orange County Sheriff's Department told the news, local news. Both were transported to hospital for treatment of their injuries. And now punching and shoving Black Lives Matter people, punching Trump people. You can see the guy is just fucked up. Graphic Trump supporter was struck by car. Unclear on who hit the man. His ankle is visibly broken. Turner was arrested and charged with suspicion of assault with deadly weapon and attempted murder. She was booked into Orange County Jail during the two demonstrations that were held about 35 miles east of Los Angeles. Protesters from both, each side, from both sides clashed. At least one person was pepper sprayed by a protester. Due to the physical altercation, reports of individuals within the crowd having weapons, an unlawful assembly was declared, and everybody was told to disperse. On Thursday night in Hollywood, California, a white Prius drove through a crowd of protesters. The car drove slowly, and there were no reports of injury, but it sparked a wild car chase that ended with the dryer driver being detained by police. Now, once again, did we not have PBS? And that's why he did them as the bumper, say that there's right wing ramming cars. And every time you find out about the right wing, it's somebody who's scared and they're usually black. Then we have back to Kentucky. Democratic representative reportedly arrested in Louisville riots. Uh, Louisville police reportedly arrested Democratic state representative Thursday for rioting in the streets of Louisville, where riots have been ongoing after ruling for grand jury. Ta- uh, police arrested Democratic representative Attica Scott, introduced a bill called Brianna's Law, which would have banned no-knock warrants. Scott and her daughter are reportedly charged with first-degree rioting, which is a Class D felony, and failures to disperse an unlawful assembly. 
once again, if a Republican was arrested for taking a piss in public, you'd see it on CNN. Didn't hear it here. Breaking news global. Breonna Taylor protests in Boston turn violent as crowd breaks into fire department. Thousands rally, rally around the city. Rally. It's always rally. It's never, ever, 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 ever rioting. We can't say the word rioting. And this all goes in. I mean, the normal person, if they're not paying attention, and they just watch us, they're not political. Sweet Jesus, folks. Trump killed everybody with COVID. He's owned by Putin. And there's right-wing people burning our cities down. That's what they hear, because our media all lies. And once again, nothing has changed anywhere else. It's all the same shit. We're going to play, here's, uh, we just had a drive-through in uh, California. They shut down Sunset Boulevard. BLM did. It wasn't the Proud Boys. Looks like an AR. I have nothing wrong with that, but... Why am I even here? I really don't know how I got to the point of this. I was just sitting down enjoying a drink. She's definitely the leader. What's up? Public place. Sorry, come again? I said, why are you taking a video? Because it's a public place.
to go get all these fucking people because as we'll see at the back end they're actually starting to arrest people because it's gone too far and that turned into a shit show because BLM started attacking the police Get the fuck out Fuck up. Move it. 
What's anything you don't understand? Hey, what's up your ass? Are you fucking kidding me? people. Sonny Singh, I get regular invites to debate on various platforms, always say no, because debate is an imperialist, capitalist, white supremacist, cyst, heteropatriarchal technique that transforms a potential exchange of knowledge into a tool of exclusion and oppression. My standard reply, many thanks to your invitation, I must decline, given that the adversarial structure debate is immunalistic to the kind of reparative work around which my academic practice... I don't even read it. Fucking Jesus Christ. And then you have the Washington Post. Has sustained freakout over violence in our city debate topic. Race and violence in our cities is a topic that's really leaning hard into the Trump narrative. Where it's clearly obvious they didn't. Twitter allows burn Louisville the trend claims no violation. Trump says he will enforce law and order. That's abusive behavior. But if Twitter users call to burn down the city of Louisville, that's fine. Twitter saw no rule violation and calls to burn down the city of Louisville, Kentucky, after the grand jury came down and blah, 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 blah. Uh, tweets that were submitted to Twitter for a comment, including a tweet that had a link to an article about the indictments, call it burn it all down, Another specific tweet said, I hope they burned down the entire city of Louisville and it explicitly ended with a heart emoji. A reply that tweeted insisted, nah, you got to go after the people. So everyone involved in the case burned their houses down. We aren't outnumbered, just unorganized. One more tweet submitted to Twitter from a comment saying, I hope Louisville burns for 40 days and 40 nights. This is a black opinion. Keep your non-black coon tears yourself. That was okay. Then uh, all over liberal newspapers, policing in Trump's America, a bunch of white people with guns. Because they're still trying to push home. Remember, we have Hillary lying about Trump's link to Russia that the media carried. The CIA or the FBI literally ran with it to disparage him, to deflect 
from her emails. Now the narrative is the Proud Boys, Boogaloos, and whatever else Joy Reid made up, that's all the media will carry till election day because they got to cover for the bad poll numbers on BLM burning down the cities. And they get away with it all the time. This is how we operate in our country. And if you want to burn something down, figuratively, not literally, it's the media. They have people so scared. This is a real article. Woman immediately terrified for her life and family safety after seeing Trump yard signs at an Airbnb. In short, she wanted to refund her voucher from Airbnb because her rental was in Maine in view of Trump yard signs. Disappointed, Airbnb doesn't understand the trauma of Trump signs on an Airbnb rental causes a black person. Her name is Carrie Fino, Ph.D. My husband rented a place in Maine, and when we arrived in the evening, we saw Trump yard signs and other white nationalist symbols. I immediately was terrified and scared for my life and my family's safety. We left, and they say they can't do anything. Prime example of how white companies make a BLM statement, but when black person tell them they didn't feel safe, they do nothing. If they want to be racist, they need to post a complete picture so BIPOC know not to stay there. We need a green book for Airbnb. I shouldn't have to pay to stay at a place I don't feel safe, and Airbnb at a minimum should give me a full refund. Airbnb has discrimination statement, but only words, no action. What about believing a black person and making them retell a traumatizing experience? Do better. What symbols of hate, you ask? This experience shows that people are unaware of signs and symbols used top symbols that invoke fear for black people. List below. One, KKK symbols and flags. Two, Confederate flags and symbols. Three, police lights, Blue Lives Matter flag, Trump signs, and white nationalists. A sl- a white terrorism slogans like Make America Great, USA Flag. Yes, this is a symbol used in many places to scare black people. First reply, is this serious? Is this real? Did you take any pictures? You need help. Other lady, ha ha ha, because those scary Trump signs are going to light your room on fire and loot your suitcase. Have you considered being an adult and growing up? Listen to yourself. It goes on and on and on and on. Uh, don't be a cutie pie. One time, a Trump sign tripped me and then stood there and laughed while I struggled to get up. I've seen this before, and I can tell you the important thing is not to show fear or make eye contact with the sign. Back away slowly. Don't run or make a lot of noise, as they will only embolden the sign. They don't fear man, as they have no natural predators. They're, you're lucky they didn't attack. And it's brought on by Nicole Hannah-Jones. Here's the latest with her. You've been following along even after getting called out over and over again for blatant historical facts and her uh, ahistorical facts. Hannah-Jones has stood by her work consisting of completely legitimate. Recently, she got caught lying. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Last week, Atlanta staff writer Connor Frainsenforfenorfen, I don't know how to say his name, called out Jones for her chronic gaslighting. This claim is staggering because I wrote an essay arguing that the 1619 Project was great in parts, but was wrong to argue that 1619 was our true founding. I take exception to it. My essay is here. Was I duped by the right or duping others? A thread. 
Nicole Hannah-Jones repeats this claim on CNN where the interviewer credulously accepts her framing that the right is misrepresenting the project. Let's listen. I'm going to play it straight from Twitter. It's easier. Time 1619 Project is joining us again today. Nicole Hannah-Jones, a Pulitzer Prize winner and staff writer for the New York Times Magazine. Uh, it's great to see you again. And first off, this executive order, this uh, sort of speaks to a misconception that I know you have tried to address that is being propagated about what the 1619 Project is, that it is not an attempt to rewrite history about when this nation was founded. If the president had actually read the essays in this, what do you think would be an honest takeaway of what they're about? Well, yeah, the 1619 Project is really about um, giving us the history and the understanding uh, to see how slavery was foundational to America and the way that the legacy of slavery still permeates modern society. But of course we know that 1776 was the founding of this country. The project does not argue that 1776 was not the founding of the And she's lying. We all know she's fucking lying. Why did you call it the 1619? This week, here she's calling Ben Shapiro a liar and saying that the wrongheadedness of his claim is easily verified. Am I going crazy? I thought, so I went back to check myself and make sure I didn't air my essay. What I found is quite damning. 1619 Project, originally called 1619, our true founding, stating on the 400th anniversary of the fateful moment, it is finally time to tell our true story truthfully. Actually, no, it asks to consider what it would mean to regard 1619 as a true founding. It doesn't argue for obvious reasons that 1619 is a true founding. She's still trying to spin it. Connor free to for, 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 for again. There it is. First, the original display copy, the 1619 Project, is a major initiative for the New York Times observing the fourth anniversary of beginning of American slavery. It aims to reframe the country's history, understanding 1619 as our true founding. Numerous mainstream and left-of-center publications, as well as right-of-center publication, use that characterization because that is what the New York Times magazine published. Here is the nation not thinking that it was factually wrong. Here is the Daily Cost. At first, I thought NHG should just say that the display copy was quite right and she intended to argue something different. As a journalist, I can sympathize with copy written by editors that I wish was just slightly different. It happens. How do you call other people liars repeatedly and easily falsifiable crime when you have characterized the matter? I argue that 1619 is our true founding. Also, look at the banner pick and the profile. That is from 2019. Or when you give an interview to Neiman Lab. People like me who argue in good faith with the idea that the New York Times Magazine and Nicole Hannah-Jones put forth do not deserve to be tarred as dupes or liars or sloppy for accurately characterizing their own original presentation. Here she is. Further, no one suggests it is only the English, since Portuguese and Spanish slavery predates English involvement in slave trade. But we're attacking the founding of America, and that is 1619. Annoyingly, Nicole Hannah-Jones blocked me on Twitter today before posting more mischaracterization of our recent disagreement about 1619 verse 1776. I'd hoped and intended to leave things at my last thread. Now I post video corroboration of my position. Lest there are any confusion, I want to be clear that I do not favor banning the project for schools or the president's attack on NHJ. Indeed, this week, as a high school teacher sent me a link to a video 
presentation by a student who read the 1619 Project and my essay about it. My disclosure and debate-loving self found it so heartening. She studied the history on her own and by being taught the debate, and she reached her own nuanced conclusion about whether Americans ought to think of their true founding as 1619 or 1776. Unlike Trump, I believe the project has a place in schools so long as the strongest criticism is taught too. That teaching such public controversies is a good thing if done well. Some students learn best from engaging in debate from subjects. What more, I have confidence in my side of the debate that considering 1776 as America's true founding is better than more inclusive teaching the debate highlight how unifying the civic creed expresses 1776 today. That debate has become distorted. Everyone always agreed 1776 is a literal political founding. For many months, everyone acknowledged the project made the provocation claim that Trump or that Americans ought to consider the country's true symbol of 1619. Jones repeatedly cited the metaphorical claim about the most true founding near a specific reason she knew that the project would elicit disagreement and criticism. Now she treats people like me, who believe 1776 is not merely the literal founding of birthday, but better considered the symbolic founding as well, as it will be fabricated contrary claims. As noted, I plan to let the issue rest with a thread I posted earlier this week. But NHG deleted the tweet of hers I quoted in the thread. Today she blocked me and tweeted additional wrong-headed characteristics. This claim is staggering because I wrote an essay arguing that 69 percent is great parts, blah, 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 blah. She writes, I must acknowledge being imprecise in my casual language on Twitter. Using true as in a literal and actual and true as symbolic. When discussing the project, but the project nor I never argued 1619 as a literal founding. Accurate, but the debate is about the best symbolic founding, and everything I have argued is consistent not just with my stray tweets, but with multiple videotaped statements that she made in public appearances and that the editor of the New York Times magazine, Jake Silverstone, made as well. September 15, 2020, yes, that recently, she said it again. July 17, 2020, she said it again. Um, July 6th, February 13th, December 4th, 2019. The last one is October 8th, 2019, at an event where Jake Silverstein, the editor of the New York Times Magazine, is on stage with NHJ. Two clips are relevant. Here's the first. Guy Benson just sums it up. She's a fucking liar. She's just a fucking liar. Here's the one where she just did it. Called it the 1619 Project, and as Nicole said at the beginning... It's pegged to this idea that that something begins on this day in August, late August of, of 1619, when American slavery starts. Um, and we we sort of boom. And why is it in our violence? Because this is what's making white, skinny, jean wearing, chai, chai latte drinking fuckheads go burn shit. And then it goes into adults. Uh, but this is tweeting trashing Trump supporters has gotten a good deal of attention on Twitter. So it felt it was our duty to share it with you, dear reader. David apparently used, used to be a reporter, but now he's dedicated to social justice. This is called voting against your own best interest. And he blocked the tweet, so I can't get it anymore. And we all know how much anyone like being told they're voting against. I've been... 
I've seen many positive responses to this post, but some think I'm being mean-spirited. That's not my intent. You can say this is a poor way to win over Trump supporters, but for now, that's not possible. I will settle for Democrat winning and making our lives better. And I fucking, the whole story's trash because he had it up yesterday and now he took the picture down. He deleted the tweet. Yeah, fan-fucking-tastic. That's what they always do. That's what they always do. But as we keep slogging along, teacher told student he had 15 seconds to remove a Trump flag or he'd be kicked out of online class. A high school teacher in Northern California threatened to kick a student out of virtual class unless he removed a Trump 2020 flag from his camera background. The 16-year-old student was in his bedroom participating in an online class for Calusa High School when his chemistry teacher took issue with the sign and demanded that he take it down. Since school has begun, my son has had his Trump flag hanging in the background. Student's mother, Tiffany, told a news outlet locally. Their last name has been withheld from reports. According to the student's mother, the teacher told her son, you can sit up, remove the flag, or reposition your camera within the next 15 seconds, or I'm kicking you out of the class. In a video of the incident recorded by another student and included in the news video below, the teacher, teacher can be heard counting for 15 seconds while repeating the threat. As the video shows, the teacher wasn't able to complete the count before the student decided to sign off of the class on his own, and it sounded a little like this. Not a controversy in the virtual classroom. Tonight, a Calusa County High School student says his teacher threatened to kick him out of class, all for the President Trump flag was hanging in his bedroom. It was visible on Zoom for his teacher and the rest of his class to see. CBS 13's Laura Hafley is live in Calusa County with the Trump flag debate. Quite the story, Laura. Yeah, that's right, and it's not uncommon to see President Trump's campaign flags or posters in Calusa, but what was a surprise for that teacher was seeing it in the back of her student's Zoom call. The student's parent says it's a moment that wasn't handled well at all. Calusa County is doing distance learning, which means students and teachers interacting over video call. Since school has begun, my son has had this flag, Trump flag, hanging in his background. But Tiffany says her son's high school chemistry teacher didn't approve of the political statement, asking him in the middle of class to get rid of it. You can sit up, remove the flag, or reposition your camera within the next 15 seconds, or I'm kicking you out of class. The teacher began to count. She didn't make it to 10 before Tiffany's son waved goodbye and exited the virtual classroom. She doesn't blame the teacher for the uncomfortable moment that's made its way to social media. She is a new teacher and it's a mistake. There hasn't really been any guidance given to her as a teacher from the school. Tiffany and her son blame the school board who they addressed Monday evening. They asked that the board clarify the code of conduct for virtual learning. And he just flat out told me no. We've just not been given any guidance. The Calusa County Code of Conduct includes a dress code that bans clothes with alcohol or drug symbols, sexual messages, profanity, or clothing that degrades any race. But nowhere in the 38-page document does it mention politics, elections, or campaigning. We don't even know if we're supposed to be following the on-campus handbook or if there's a new campus or a new handbook that's addressing the distance learning issues. 
And the student tells us that he's now uncomfortable going back to that teacher's classroom after what happened. And we did reach out to the superintendent as well as the principal and vice principal for Calusa High School. We are waiting to hear back from them. Yeah, quite the talk of the town there. Laura, thank you. It all comes from the media continually making this false narrative. Why is it a false narrative? Boom, Telemundo News viewers say Trump won the debate by a margin of 66 to 34. No bueno news for Team Biden. They reported a Twitter poll, a Twitter poll, Lord give me straight strength. It was 69, actually. But the fact is, we keep saying over and over, he's a racist. Then we don't charge people. I said it was there. Portland District Attorney brings charges following week of BLM Antifa arson attacks. Four accused rioters of Portland are facing local charges ranging from arson to possession of a destructive device. It took 120 days. Or more. May. They've been rioting to May before they'll even fucking address the goddamn problem. And then you run into Twitter CEO Dorsey, $10 million to Abraham Kendi X, or Abraham X Kendi. He's the one that has been a racist since day one. He's worse than Torre. Yeah. It's all linked. We talk about nothing. Biden was for the Green New Deal before he was against it. Town Hall, does Joe Biden know what he's talking about? Joe Biden, the new the Green New Deal will pay for itself as we move forward. Seconds later, Chris Wallace, do you support the Green New Deal? Joe Biden, no, I don't support the Green New Deal. Joe Biden said the Green New Deal will pay for itself, but then he said he wasn't for it. Biden said he doesn't support the Green New Deal. That's actually a huge development. Or did he misspeak? Wallace, do you support the Green New Deal? Biden, no, I don't. Ocasio-Cortez leads the Biden task force also. I mean, it's just back and forth. Call him. PBS, the propaganda for Biden service. It's everywhere. And when you keep doing it over and over and over, you get violence. And then when Trump supporters push back, you get narrative. Oh, it's them. Will you fucking condemn Proud Boys and Boogaloo that equate to about a half, what, two-tenths of a fucking percentage of Americans? But we have BLM 18% destroying the fucking country. But was that question ever asked? No. No. So, a quick woke section and we'll wrap it up. Here's a Trump supporter driving past one Biden person on a street corner with a Biden sign with their diesel truck. And it was beautiful.
beat from Biden trying to run away from it. Market Watch, opinion. We may need climate lockdowns to halt climate change. Mariana Muscuco writes, that might mean governments limiting private vehicle use, banning consumption of red meat, etc. We must do capitalism differently to avoid that. That's what the left wants to do. That's what you're voting for when you vote for Biden. Something I'll say on every podcast to election day. What else are you voting for if you vote for Biden? This is an abortion lady. That's what she's known for. It's all about abortion. Jill Philippinick. I know the things parents hate most is when non-parents assert what they will do as parents. It is inevitably smug and incorrect, but I'm 100% sure I will never... Ascent, ascent to a kid's menu or concept of kid's food. Everyone who is like, oh, this is so unrealistic, just wait until you, you're a parent. Do you think children in most of the world order off a kid's menu and survive primarily off chicken fingers and plain pasta? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do, because that's what kids like. And then Jamela Jamil, an abortion queen that made me stop watching the the show with the tenderloins in it. It would be so cool if pregnant people could just be allowed to be pregnant and get bigger and not be self-conscious and enjoy the miracle taking place in their body and not have to worry about feeling embarrassed, shamed that their body is changing for an amazing reason. When you scream at me for saying pregnant people instead of only pregnant women, I think it's hilarious. Imagine being this upset about some inclusive language. Get a grip. Caroline, depriving half the world's population of the ability to refer to themselves simply and ambiguously is an opposite of inclusion. I'm not denying anyone anything. I said people. Women are people. I'm not correct, correct anyone who says women get pregnant. They do. As do trans and non-binary people. I merely include them in my comment. I'm adding, not taking away. They just generally don't understand what you're about. You've built a platform advocating for girls and women to accept their bodies, which is so awesome. But then you tell certain people to get surgery if it makes them happy, then tell women not to have boundaries, and then tell people to have abortions. That <laughs> pretty much sums it up. Also, what you're voting for if you vote for Biden. This is this was all over Twitter. We're raising our daughter gender neutral, but she only wants pink dresses. Where did we mess up? Now understand, they look at you as a child. You're the child. So know this. If they get control of this world, they think they can manipulate you too. Dear Karen Feeling, my husband and I have a frequent disagreement about a three-year-old and our love for dresses and all things pink. The first two years of her life, she was constantly mistaken for a boy because she wore gender neutral clothes. We direct her towards books and other media that do not represent traditional gender roles. We ask friends and family to refrain from commenting on our appearance and clothing if they can help it and to instead focus on skills or interests. However, our daughter adores the color pink, insists on wearing dresses, and is currently obsessed with accessories. I'm fine with this, so I hope it will be a phase. 
After a few battles about wearing our soul pink dress when it was dirty, my daughter and I did some online shopping together and she chose a few more dresses to order. All of them were pink. My husband is unhappy that I encouraged her obsession by purchasing the dresses and letting her wear some of my old jewelry. He gets annoyed when dresses get tangled while climbing a rock or running and says that dresses and accessories aren't suitable for doing most things. I appreciate his commitment to raising our daughter without gender stereotypes, but I also want to encourage her to make her own choices. I feel like if we push back too hard on her love for dresses and jewelry, it will backfire and she will only become more obsessed. Dear Pop, it often seems to be the case that eschewing traditional gender norms involves identifying things that are coded as girly or feminine as bad. The argument against sparkle princesses is typically that they teach chilled girls to aspire to unrealistic standards of beauty or promote the idea that they should be looking for Prince Charming to come save them. The saying argument can be made for encouraging boys to climb rocks and run while discouraging them from practicing nurturing with baby dolls and stuffed animals. Pink fluffy dresses should not be the only option available to girls, nor should they be for girls exclusively. And that's when I stop. Those, those are your people. And then lastly, because this was a short one, the guy who mandated mass forever, Ralph Northam. Pam is experiencing mild symptoms, and I'm asymptomatic per VDHGov guidelines. We have 10 days and then re-evaluate our symptoms. I'm in constant contact with my cabinet and staff and will continue working from the executive mansion. Ralph Northam has COVID. So how did he get it? Anybody want to guess? Probably because he wasn't wearing a mask. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. And we're off to fucking This Is America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. The moderator, Chris Wallace, says he wants to be as invisible as possible tonight. So that means the blizzard of lies is about to begin. And as in a blizzard, it's going to reduce visibility. People are going to get numb. And it's going to be up to Joe Biden to shovel the, the you-know-what. I mean, when, when, when truth is losing, when truth is lost, Trump is winning. So it's going to be up to Biden to push back in real time. I don't think viewers of Fox News are going to hear a ton of fact-checking after the debate. So all these lies, all these smears, they are effective within Trump world, within Fox and Trump world. And it's really disgusting today, the lies they're putting up about Biden. Political professors study something called asymmetric polarization, which means that right-wing voters have moved further to the right, become more polarized than left-wing voters. The same thing is happening now in these campaigns. There's asymmetric lying and there's asymmetric nastiness. The lies and smears coming from Trump's side are so much nastier and disgusting than anything from the Biden campaign, right? The Biden campaign just out there trying to respond to all this nuttiness in real time as they need to. I agree with that. See, they have to be transparent about this and know what they're up against. They are up against people who are shamelessly lying in front of millions of viewers. Yes, Biden doesn't lie at all.
He just said 200 million people were killed by COVID. Trump killed all those people. Yeah. Kyle Drennan, DNC spokesperson Brian Seltzer, claims lies and smears come from Trump's side are so much nastier and disgusting than anything for Biden. Stephen L. Miller. The Biden campaign two days ago called Trump Goebbels. Yeah. Goebbels. We literally have proof Obama was briefed on the whole shit show Russia and said over and over he lied. And he also said that he never knew she had a, uh, her private email, if you remember that. He, he said that too, even though he got emails from her. And right now, Soros gives $1.5 million to L.A. District Attorney fight and is buying out the whole country. But if you put that on Twitter, it's suppressed because it's fake news. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys are a paragon of virtue. You have lied from the beginning of this presidency, and you haven't stopped. You lied about him being wiretapped. He was. You lied about his audits. He was. You lied about the whole thing when you knew it was fake. You lie about right-wing agitators and crowds. You lie about mail-in voting. You've lied about every fucking facet of COVID. Every single facet has been a lie. From the death count to don't wear a mask, wear a mask. And your zeal to fucking get Biden elected. All you've done is lie. And misinform the American people. But on that note, I lied to you because we'll be at three minutes, three hours again. I, I just, fuck, every time I try to cut down, I don't cut down. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Remember, check out our Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed, where I'm getting ratioed by black people that I'm blocking because I call Tore a fucking racist. And tune in next week on the 4th. 6th, I'm sorry. 6th October, Year of Our Lord 2020 will be our next podcast. It'll be an afternoon one when I get done with my crack appointment. I couldn't get the weekend one in, so I know this is a little uh, probably cliff note on debate, and I kind of just skimmed over it, but let's be honest, it was a fucking shit show. It was just a shit show. It'll be a shit show. Are there any more debates? It'll be the same shit shows. It'll be worse because Chris Wallace is at least somewhat objective. Uh, The rest will just be horrible, and they will be anti-Trump down to the last fucking second and promoting Biden to look better because I don't remember the networks, but they're all the mainstream. So it's just going to be fucking horrible. Remember, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. If you got friends who ain't registered, like I'm working on my wife, who's a non-voter trying to get her to vote, get them out to vote. We need to have everybody vote. It's not about Trump. 
It is about a seriously horrible party that will take charge of the levers of power and turn this country into shit in a handbasket. Just go to Twitter, look at a BLM protester, see what they're doing in the street, understand, that'll be every day. In our government, no filibuster, packing courts, punishing red states, taking guns, making everybody legal so they can get un... Well, it's not working so well on the fucking thing, but their theory is to get unlimited voters from 11 million illegals because they made them illegal. Downsizing the military. It's all shit. Because if you didn't learn something from last night, those words aren't Biden's words. They're other people's words. He's a fucking empty vessel being pumped with radical fuckheads. If he was a Republican... And our country was somehow in the twilight zone. It would just go over like a turd in a punch bowl. So we need everybody voting. If you can't vote for Trump, then you vote red on the House and Senate and check and balance this shit. Because the moment Trump leaves office, we no longer have a media reporting anything. In this case, it was all negative shit. It was all lies. It was all bullshit. Like two scoops of ice cream and fucking light switches. But for Biden, it'll be serious shit. And you won't know it till they come to your door and take your shit. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, he kicks. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. But even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Well, he would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. And that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution are, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet.
And part of the challenge we have as a nation is that a significant swath of Americans still support Donald Trump. They support his vision of America, and that is rooted in racism. It is rooted in a desire for power at the expense of everyone who is black and brown. And so what we have in this problem is a, is a, is a spiritual kind of tyranny of the worst impulses, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Meacham said, um, you, know, you know, sort of weaponizing narcissism. That will send a shockwave through this country. And Donald Trump may not accept the results, but who gives a shit? Because the rest of the country will be forced to. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police to the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. I want to take it to the senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. 
Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.